1: Now one. I went to my car and I cried. How are we gonna do this? How do we keep our family safe?
2: There's Jesse, Nettles, Hergy, and I'm actually planning a waiting for the ghosts at Halloween. We're all in the war. We're all in the war now. You know they're here. We're looking after them and rightly so.
3: Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. 96
2: 96 96. Extra
0: WhatsApp 083
2: 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie
0: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Watch 96fm.
4: Okay. <gasps> Thank goodness we're busy. Busy, busy, busy this morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number. Text to WhatsApp is 396 96 96 96. Before I even kick off the ball this morning, we have more to do. Then we'll get to. I must get back to Michael's email, which I promised to read to you about the civil servants and the politicians and who's really in charge and who should be really running the gaff. Have to get back to that. Also, have to talk today to Fiona, who was viciously bullied at work. That came up after Monday's program on Quiva about women being bullied by other women. Uh, Some real-life experience coming from Fiona. Must get to all of that. But yesterday morning, we started to talk about gambling and about problem gambling. And I spoke to Owen, who hasn't gambled since 2014. Fair play to him, but gambling nearly, nearly ruined his life. And he was talking about how the new gambling bill that's before... The Oroctis, yeah, it might solve a few problems, but in his mind, as someone who's dealt with this crack, it doesn't go far enough. We also spoke to Professor Colin O'Gara. Yes, he is actually related to Rona. Um, but Professor Colin O'Gara from St. John O'Gods, who is a psychiatrist specialising in addiction, and he was talking about how it is now at serious problem levels. And because gambling addiction doesn't make you physically sick, so many people were able to hide it and hide it for more and hide it more and hide it more until it's just gone to unsustainable levels. Sinead, you were listening to that conversation and you wanted to say something to me. Good morning. You're there, um, Sinead.
5: So, uh, yeah, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Yeah, um, so Saturday we were here and we were watching the movie on RT, you were Sing. With my six-year-old, so we kind of do a family movie night on Saturday nights. and Sing, oops, is it? Ten to eight. Sing, yeah, yeah lovely movie. the movie. Lovely movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and she loved it, but, like, at ten to eight, she was like, Mom, the movie's gone, and I was like, oh, yes, and then she was like, the lotto is on, the lotto is on, and I was like, oh, yeah, because it's a while since we watched something on RT, but, um, yeah, it was just a bit random that the lotto was on in between a kid's movie on a Saturday night.
4: So they broke the movie?
5: Yeah, the lotto yeah, broke. Yes, broke the movie, which is something they've done for years. Mm. But it was just, I was just thinking about it then that okay, this, she's six and she knows all about the lotto, and obviously the lotto is you can do it every day of the week, so it's obviously something that um, people can maybe get addicted to yeah. because you could spend up to hundred euro a week maybe on the lotto if you wanted to, You
1: could,
5: but no one would really notice then. Yeah, and that's obviously my
4: yeah. I had completely forgotten, Sinead, that they do that. Yeah,
5: they're they're still doing it. So yeah. they put
4: on a big family movie at six o'clock yeah. on a Saturday on RTE, and then they yes. put is it one or two? It's, not that it matters, um, not that it well, matters, but um. So then they break the movie to show the lotto draw at whatever time, five to eight or eight o'clock.
5: Yes, 8 o'clock, so it kind of goes off at about 10 to 8 for ads and stuff, and then the lotto comes on, and then the movie comes back on after the lotto then again. Apart from
4: being a complete pain in the neck if you've no interest in the lotto. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You would wonder what purpose that serves.
5: Yeah, yeah, because I know they've been doing it for years, but it's maybe something they could look at because it's a kid's movie, and they're six, like my little girl is six, and... She obviously knows all about the lotto now. Sure, but they, they have
4: another channel. Could, could they not show the lotto on Channel 2? Like?
5: Yeah, exactly. Or even, it's only about 20 minutes. There's another 20 minutes maybe left in the movie because they're not just wait till about 10 eight? Yeah. Yeah. But I know that they want to it.
4: show the lotto draw live and that's okay. I don't have a problem with showing yeah. the lotto draw live. But but do it on the other... Don't break a movie.
5: A kid's movie. Kids' movie, Do you know. Do you wonder yeah, if they movie. were
4: showing, as they will be showing during the summer? You'd wonder well, if they're showing a hurling match or a football match or a soccer match or a rugby match. Would they break the match for the lotto? They wouldn't, me. Aye? I
5: probably not. would not like. No. Yeah. So it was just an observation when you were talking yesterday about gambling and stuff like that, and I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the lotto.
4: No, no, I, I had no, no, I I had no idea. It. I had no idea they were still doing that, Sinead Yeah. So yeah, I think just, I remember watching like watching a film with my lad. Oh God, it's a <clears> year or two ago. It's probably pre-COVID because they had to they stopped doing an awful lot of television stuff. So yeah, and I remember them breaking. No, I used it as an opportunity to make coffee. Do you know? But like, come on, let's have the movie. Put the lottery on the other channel.
5: Yes, yeah, exactly. Because then I suppose it's they're very young to be looking at the lotto, and maybe it's just you know just the the lottery is you know they're kind of of catching them, or you know what I mean? Is it sixteen or eighteen you
4: have to be to play the lottery? I'm not too sure. Is it sixteen or eighteen? So your six year old can't play the thing anyway.
5: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's all. Just the point of. Just a little observation from yesterday, no, Do you know, no. when you were talking yesterday about gambling.
4: Yeah, so. and that's a very, very good point. That's a fantastic point. Here is a whole big gamble happening in the middle of a kid's movie. Yeah,
6: exactly.
4: That's that's a great point. Sinead, thank you. Uh, PJ, my mom and my brother are totally addicted to the lotto. They freak if they miss it, Susanna. They spend a fortune on it. I didn't know they were still doing that breaking the kids family movie on RTE of a Saturday evening and they do show some great movies but breaking the movie breaking a family movie, a kids movie to show a lotto draw cannot, like is that what you have another channel for or don't they have their online channel couldn't they show it on the player couldn't they show it on the news now the news now channel something like that rather than breaking into RTE one television in the middle of a family movie thanks 96 96 can you still cuz i don't know whether you can can you still go into the bookies and do what you used to be able to do which was pick your own numbers pick 3 pick 4 numbers and get odds on that in the bookies cuz i know a couple of years ago people were concerned about that gambling activists as in those who are trying to campaign for tighter controls on gambling were saying that's dangerous that's insidious going into the bookies and picking four numbers and putting money on four numbers and getting odds in the bookies—that that's another dangerous form of gambling. Thank you, Sinead, again. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Maria on the hospitals and yesterday talking to Dr. Lisa, who's a consultant in emergency medicine and pre-hospital care, and she was telling me about her day—a a typical 12, 13, 14 thirteen, fourteen-hour day in scrubs and sneakers going around trying to deal with all of these sick people all of whom deserve to be seen all of whom need to be seen and you can't get to half of them and she told me, if you remember rightly she told me that at one point they come out to an ambulance bay, they're taking the trolleys off the ambulances, they'd like to get that trolley back to that ambulance but they literally haven't got a trolley to put the person on in the hospital how crazy it all is and she also was very, very quick to point out that Don't be taking these figures that you're getting from the news uh, to indicate that things are getting easier. Where are those people going? Those people who were discharged at the weekend. Where did they go? They didn't all go home to the bosoms of their family. Where did they go? So don't be listening to spin either. That was Lisa's very strong message yesterday. Maria.
7: Good morning, PJ. You contacted
4: us yesterday. You were in hospital recently.
7: Yeah, I came out on Friday night. Yeah. But I'd been sick for about a month before I went in. Okay. I'd been contacting my GP. They were just basically flinging antibiotics after me, one after the other, you know? Yeah. I uh, wasn't getting any better. So then I started vomiting and wasn't able to keep the antibiotics down. Oh, God. So I got onto Cloud Talk. And um, on New Year's, so he said look we we'll try it with a liquid antibiotic and if that's not working get back on to me so I tried that, that didn't work but on some New Year's Day it was early New Year's Day it was 9 o'clock New Year's night by the time they contacted me back yes. so he said look I really want you to go in now I knew it would be mayhem up there at that time so I asked him, can I wait till the morning? And he said, you can, but basically attack your own risk. Yeah, yeah. So I rang the ambulance the following morning at seven and was brought to the Mercy Hospital. Now I was very lucky, the changeover happened within half an hour.
4: Right. Out of then, the ambulance, was it? Though? Out
7: of the ambulance, yeah. Yeah. And um, then they put me into this porter cabin.
4: A porch cabin, discreetly. Yeah, it's like me. a
7: porch cabin at the side of the, the, the old parts of the A&E. Okay. And um, you know the mercy.
4: The mercy. Where the mercy you went to? I take it. Was it?
7: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
4: they've two. They've the new entrance to the new A&E, which That's is down, right, on the... Yeah. and then they've the old A&E up at the other side of the hospital. I thought that was yeah. closed now.
7: No, they, they. Well, it's they're still using it. Okay. Yeah, so I was inside in the porter cabin. I sent you on the video. You what did,
4: you? you did. thank you for that. Did I saw it, I yeah, know we're not dirt. going to share it, obviously. It's your,
7: yeah, the you know. dirt of the place. Uh, the, there was no sheet on the trolley. Yeah. Uh, they had no blanket for me, they had no pillow for me. The bins were overflowing. There was tissues, there was plasters, there was, you name it, all over the floor. So I said, oh my God, what am I have to do? So you said, what it, what it,
4: I've gone from the frying pence as you yeah, went to the fire, yeah, yeah?
7: Yeah, so I was sitting there on a, a, a small chair, and I, I was very unwell. Yeah. I was put straight on to oxygen, and, you know, I got started to get a bit of relief. But I was there from the 9 o'clock on the, on the Monday morning until the Tuesday night. Yeah when they woke me up in the middle of the night and they were after getting me a bed. Okay. Now, while I was there... And the tell me, line, did
4: you get any medicine? Did you get a bit... You got oxygen, I hope.
7: I got... And, oh, yeah, I had like, oxygen. Did you get
4: painkillers? Did you get a blanket? Did you get a pillow? No
7: blanket, no pillow. I got... Um, they were giving me steroids injected, you know, through the IV. Yeah. Um, to help you breathe, and, I suppose. Yeah, and Tamiflu, because it's actually... It was. it's an uh, It's an antiviral tablet you need. That's right. Not an antibiotic.
4: Tammy, Tammy flu is a dinger Tammy of a thing. I, yeah. Anyone I know who's yeah. ever taken it, it's a dinger, yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. So, like, if I'd seen my own GP, first of all, I think maybe I wouldn't have gone down the road that far. Mm-hmm. You know, but just, it's impossible to get appointments.
4: I know. And when you got a bed, then?
7: I, I was put up into one of the, the new wards, a brand new wards, Right. It only opened the week before, and I was in isolation. Okay. okay. Um now the nurses, my heart went out to them.
4: Yeah, I was going to ask really, you that. Next. Really, really
7: like, did. They couldn't have been yeah. any nicer. Yeah. You know. Just,
4: did you ask them for a pillow? Did you ask them for a oh the blanket? I
7: did. I did. And, I did, and one it. one of the girls, she walked the hospital looking for a pillow and a blanket for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but even there was no keenest staff around. Absolutely not it of tea, or then,
4: could you could you eat did you a cup of tea with a bit of toast anything?
7: Oh I did, so I got tea in toast and but to be quite honest with you I wasn't well enough to I know to have it. But like there was one bathroom there then now picture I'm in isolation sure. because of this flu. Yeah. Plus this stomach bug thing then as well. Yeah. That I got down on top of it. But I there was one bathroom there for the whole A. I thought I had to use, people had to use the bathroom after me. I had to use it after them. There was no one coming in cleaning them, Mm. you know? Yeah. And it was just a horrific experience, it really was.
4: Again, this is something that Chris Luke was talking to me about last week, and Chris spent many years uh, in the ED and the Mercy. He said, "One, one, one of the basics that you have to try to provide for people is a clean toilet, which to go.
7: Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't even a sink there for me to wash my hands, or you know what I mean. There was nothing like that.
4: No hot water in, no? in
7: the room or anything, you know. My goodness me. Yeah, no, I was very lucky afterwards that I did get a bed. After the first couple of days, I felt so guilty. So, so thinking how long,
4: sorry, Maria. How long were you in this temporary, as you say, port cabin, sitting on a chair with nothing?
7: Two, one, two full days and one night. So, Okay. Yeah. So how like, long
4: were you in the in the bed then when you get into it?
7: Oh I was shifted up at four in the morning to the wards. Yes. And I was there then till I came home. Okay. Yeah. How so are you like,
4: now, are you all right?
7: I'm getting there, still a bit weak, but thank God I'm getting there.
4: Yeah. Whatever yeah. bug is going around, it's very weakening.
7: Oh, Whatever it, it is, is it is it is. It is, you know. But like it's so heartbreaking to see the elderly people as well. Yeah you know, and then when I did get a bed, I was saying, oh, that poor woman is still down there now, and I'm, I'm in a bed. You know, that know. You, you kind of feel guilty.
4: I know, and you shouldn't. Do you know, a, yeah, a bed I, is a bed is what you're entitled to get, you know?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just said, like, I'd share it. And,
4: Delighted that you, you know. did. We won't, we won't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to share that video. You sent it to me, and I've I watched it, and thank you for it.
7: Well, if it's, you want to share it, I have no problem in it. it was, now, well, I said it to the nurses and that, that I was, Go putting in a
4: complaint, and they said, Oh, please do. They said,
7: Please do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, every little bit of. Was it Eileen I was well.
4: talking Eileen, I think it was, who I was talking to yesterday. I may have her name wrong. I know it starts with an E. Um, she was saying to me that at one point when she was in hospital last November, that long before this particular crisis, so CUH, one nurse was almost in tears. Talking to her and said she was trying to deal with forty people.
7: Yeah, and and the words she used
4: were, "I'm not doing any good for anybody today." Like that's heartbreaking to hear a young person say that.
7: It is, of course. And I mean, it 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 it, nursing is calling. It's 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 like they're so dedicated. That's right. You go in there because you
4: want to help. You want to help.
7: Exactly. And then when you can't help, you don't have to choose to help. You don't have the staff. You don't. You know. Yeah. It must be very hard on them. I know,
4: I know. Have you, have you, you, know? have you kids, Maria?
7: Uh, well, he's grown up. Right.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. What? Twenties, maybe.
7: He's thirty-five. Oh, crikey! Okay. Yeah.
4: Like, can yeah. Can you imagine him now, um, or a daughter in their sort of early twenties, have just qualified as a nurse? Yeah. Imagine t- trying to work in that. What? It must, yeah. What it must have been like? You know.
7: Oh, it's it's it was terrible. Elaine, terrible. No, and watching them then falling over each other trying to, you know, get this or get that, and I said they're they're fighting for the blankets. Then when they they did come, I know,
4: I know, I know. Well, I'm glad you're you're feeling a bit better, Maria, oh, and and, God. and I also know that you definitely were not blaming the nursing staff for no, any of this. No, whatever no, no,
7: whatever led to
4: whatever led to this, it wasn't their fault.
7: Oh God, no, definitely, hundred percent not. All right. Okay. You know.
4: All right. And take care of yourself. All right, ma'am.
7: Thank you very much, PJ. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks.
4: That was Elaine yesterday. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, She sent us the video. If if she said she said we're okay to share it, if we want to know, if it's not too identifiable or anything like that, we may well do. Just on the lottery and the gambling and breaking a movie on RT One to show the lottery draw. To be fair, they and I made the point that. They would. They do that to a hurling match, or would they do it to a football match, or a rugby match, or a soccer match? And I made the. I don't think they would. To be, to be fair, says Kevin, they don't show sport on RTE One. That might actually be the reason they show it on RTE Two. If it's the case that the time of the draw might be in terms of the of license, curious. I don't know. It is. Well, the draw is timed, Kev. The draw is specifically timed for eight o'clock or quarter to eight on a Saturday evening, or 5 to 8. Was it 5 to 8 or something like that? Specifically timed for then, because they shut the machines down at quarter to 8, so the drawers made at 8. So it is a specific time for the draw. You'd wonder, though, why they couldn't record that and show it after the film. And if they must show it live through some contract or other, well, they pop it over onto the news channel or onto the... Some other digital channel.
2: Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 96 96 96.
0: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. ninety six FM.
4: Okay, before we go to Fiona, is it there? He is on five LEDs. Michael, morning. Morning, PJ. You were listening to Um, Maria.
6: I I was listening to Morn of the Day today. You know what I mean? Just there a few minutes ago. And then we had earlier on in the news, we had Iona Duffy. She never seems to come off the... Um, the airwaves. Ilona she's Duffy, yeah, she's a doctor, yeah, she's, isn't she, yeah. She's a, she's a doctor, yeah. She, she was on there that people are being released too early and that she gets the full check up before they go. Fine, if you're going to pin your toe, you're, she wants to do the lot or whatever. Okay. Her swipe should be at whoever released her, not to be on the birth of the government again. So I'm, to these people who are going to A&E, do they realise that A&E is paid for by the taxes of the people that pay them, uh, by the people in the public? Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, and there's an awful lot of people who are in the and who have never paid tax in their life. Ah, ah, Michael.
4: Ah, Michael.
6: Come they, on they now. Do. They, do. The services of the state are paid for by taxes. Correct. And, and the, these people don't pay VAT. They don't.
4: They oh, hold on they a while now. Hang on. If you buy, if you buy food, and you buy clothes, and you buy services, you're paying VAT.
6: Everybody they pay some back
4: because that's where they're forced to pay it.
6: You know what I mean? What there are other places in the in the uh, in the sites, they're paying tradesmen uh, under the counter. They're they're falsifying capital gains tax. They're they're asking that not to be paid. I will give you an instance. Well, first, okay? Please
4: don't name anybody because there's a lot no, of sweeping no. statements going on here. Go
6: on. Yeah, there was a retired public service servant and her husband who were getting about eighty grand um in pension pensions and they were asked to get uh, some works done and they refused to pay the bet. Their answer was we paid enough taxes all our life. You know that sort of you you heard that did before, you please. never
8: did you
4: never get anything done at home, like get your garden cut or your hall painted. Did you never get anything done without a veteran? Did you never get anything done with and, and pay the fellow with two rolled up twenties or three rolled up twenties? I didn't. I didn't. Never, because I, never.
6: I, 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 because I know them well. I do everything myself. I have a small holding here in West Cork and I do everything myself.
9: Yeah. So that's, that's, that's
6: despite the point. What you're talking about is people not paying it who should be paying
4: it. Yeah, well, I get that. Yeah, you're right there. I mean, look, I had a bit of work done at home um, in 2018 and again in, in 2020 and you have to pay the VAT. We were able to do... And, and sometimes... And sometimes, uh, back in 2018, we could claim a hell of a lot back in, in a tax deal and, and that was on at they, the And time.
6: they should declare the income as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the public service is losing 23 billion. The government mm. is losing 23 billion a year by this circulating black economy. But come, but come, back, to, come
4: back to the ED for a second. I mean, mm-hmm. your, your claim that people are in there who don't pay any tax is a bit... That's a with bit some cruel. of them some of
6: them I said certain people I didn't I didn't, I didn't I say so, all of them you, know, yeah. you might clarify that okay. Okay. The, the, so I think that's we, we're, um, uh, we're we're a, a, a combination of complainers she's gone out to say that she, uh, she was put into a port cabin. What what's she want? Uh, Julie's hotel?
4: No I think Michael no to be fair I think Michael when you're very sick and if you don't believe me I, I quote you Dr Chris she, Luke 40 Years in Medicine, who was on this show last week. He said, when you're sitting, waiting to be seen, you understand you must wait. You're entitled to a blanket. You're entitled to a pillow. You're entitled to something better if, than a if hard you chair. you paid your taxes, you're I entitled know, to Michael. Yes. Michael, Michael, I know, Michael. Michael, Michael, Michael. Look, I tell you. Anybody coming into a, are you Are you honestly going to tell me that anybody coming into a hospital, sick and unwell and worried, whether they be president or pauper, that they're not entitled to a blanket and a pillow, and something softer than a hard chair. Are you really going to try and sell me that one?
6: Well, they should be responsible enough to have paid their taxes all their life.
4: But they don't... Sorry, no, they don't check your VAT returns at the way into ED. Just
6: just like, if your house is on fire and you haven't paid your property tax, are you going to get the services of the fire brigade? You will, actually. You will, actually. You will, which is unfair to the people who do pay it, and you do get it. I've I regret
4: that, but I'm just saying <laughs> now Are you telling me that if a fire brigade, if, if, if there's a fire at my house yes. tonight, God forbid and cross my fingers, nothing that can be crossed that there isn't. If there's a fire at my house tonight, that the fire brigade should check my tax status before turning on a hose?
6: Well, they have to, they could with computers and everything like that. They should be able they will be able to check it, you know, in, in all this online system and things like that. What I know they wouldn't, no, and I, I know that it's, they, and it's unlikely the law will be brought in. But it isn't it fairer that if I'm paying my property tax and my neighbour isn't. They get the ser- same services as I do?
4: Well, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, you know what? You're inti- like you're right. entitled with you there. If Some people if you, you, some people pay their taxes. They get the same... I get the same service. If I pay my... I have no choice. I'm battered senseless by the taxman once a month here. But and I have no choice but to pay my taxes. Neither does my wife. We get the same services as, as someone who doesn't... Who doesn't pay any. That's true, too. Yeah. And,
6: and like, will you balance the, the, the discussion and say that the people who are not paying should be paying.
4: You know what, Michael? There we are in, in a, on a point of agreement.
6: Good, good
4: men. We're on a point... Everybody should be paying their due share. Some should be paying more than others because they can afford to pay more than yes. others.
6: But that, I, well, that's great, isn't it? Uh, 30 and 40% and the 32 yeah, per, or twenty percent Yeah, and
4: yeah. But what I'm getting... I'm, I'm still a bit concerned that you'd kind of gauge a person's entitlement to... Be seen in the ED on on no, their. On but they, their tax no, but it returns. should be
6: it should be pointed out by the politicians that you're getting the services that you're paying for.
4: Right, right.
6: And a twenty three billion would go a long way in health, education, defence, whatever, guards, roads.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, be no, no like, yeah, you would be handy yeah, if you I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm listening to you here now, like we're two fellas, but this hour of the morning's a bit early, but if we're down in the early house, we can have a point over it. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? He has a point. There are, the, you know, if we all paid our equal share and those who can pay more, maybe pay more. Although listen, I, I can't afford another penny. I'm battered senseless. As I said once a month. If we all paid our share. There might be more to go around. Is that your, par- is that your point?
10: Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
4: Okay. So,
6: so when you have a of the day on, have me on after
4: it. Well, okay? yeah, but now, come on now. Like, just come back to, be, be 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 fair to Maria. You still don't think that, you surely don't think it's okay to let somebody sitting on a hard chair without a pillow or a blanket for nearly no, two days. No,
6: but on her discharge out, tell her, you've got services here. I hope you're paying for it.
11: Okay. Okay. Let
6: We're, people be responsible for a change.
4: We, we, we've a few points of agreement and a few points right. of disagreement here, Michael. <laughs> Do you know what? Will I meet you down in the welcome in in about 10 minutes and we'll sort this out over a pint? But
6: you to welcome to the show then.
4: <laughs> this is true. This is true. Like, Fergal, you it's feel it's like making 12, a would be I'm enjoying half, this
6: conversation. Half, half, tw- half 12 there would be no problem. <laughs> like when we're Chris, Chris,
4: be a Michael, I've enjoyed our conversation. I greatly have. Thank you so much. Good Thanks, man. Good dear. man. Thanks, good man, PJ. Michael's entitled to his opinion. Leave him have it. Annoyed call. Yeah, I know. I did, I, I just some of what he says, he makes total sense. Total sense. Actually, you know what it is? It's a bit like, it's, it's a bit like watching, a, watching a sports pundit. After a batch And you agree with some of what he says And you don't agree with others Uh, Thanks Michael Michael has a point, says Emma Because there's a lot of rogue tradesmen out there We had a gardener who we paid cash And he did a disastrous job It was supposed to take 10 days The work took 5 months He was a total gangster and it was substandard work I regret not getting a legit Tax paying person To do the work Fair point Emma Trust me when I tell you this, there's legitimate tax-paying people out there who do the work and pay their taxes and they're still crap. Oh, 818 96 96 96. I, I, I keep saying I'll talk to Fiona. We'll, we'll come to her in, in a little while about bullying. But any thoughts on what, what Michael was saying? I don't like him calling Maria Moan of the day. Um, I think if you go into a hospital... No matter who you are, president or pauper. I think you're entitled to at least a comfortable seat. You're entitled to at least a blanket. You're entitled to at least a pillow. I think all those are basics. And I wouldn't refuse them to anybody. Bill says, have you ever seen a politician, civil servant or minister sitting waiting to be seen in a hospital? I never have, says Bill. And I'm 77. I never have either, says Bill. I'm not quite 77. And far from it, but no, I haven't. To be fair, either. John, is it four lads? Four. John, morning. Good morning. What do you want to say, John? Hello, PJ. How are you? Hi. PJ, uh, listen. The thing about it is like that uh, now, I'm a bit of
12: a, a bit older than you, but I've been to hospitals all over the place. What I mean, a hospital, the mercy, you, heads. Yeah. And it's as simple as this, PJ. We don't want new hospitals at all. We want nurses. More nurses and more doctors. Yes, yes. I yes. can't go, I can remember I can't remember. Listen, PJ. I'm street wise. Very, very street wise. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the thing about it like that. they're, they're building another hospital down in um down in Sarcy's Court.
4: Yeah, an elective hospital, yeah.
12: Exactly. No. That they're talking about their short staff, their short staff. Why are they building a house, why are they building the hospital if they're short staff?
4: Well, it would take non-essential stuff that needs to be done, but not today, out of a place like CUH where stuff needs to be done today. So it would that that's reasonably good practice, I would have thought. Okay, Peter, okay. I'm going to
12: say to you there now, okay. I've been to the Mercy Hospital mm. on a few occasions, Okay. Yeah. And the thing about it is like that. There's a ward closed because it's private. It's private. Oh, yeah. no, there's, I, I think there's 10 to 14 beds are in there.
4: Yeah, they're looking at doing no. away with that too under these new health plans that they have.
12: Well, well it, it, Peter, they, they need to no, know. They're, lo- they're looking at it, Peter. They're only looking at it. Yeah.
4: Well, the reason for that is very simple, John, because the, that private income is, is very lucrative. That's why. I'm not saying it should be happening, but it's very lucrative to the hospital. Yeah, P- PJ, PJ. We're all people.
12: Yeah. We're yeah. all people, I'm no different to you, or you're no different to me. Yeah. Just because you're going through um, the health system and you're playing you're paying private. What is the difference between you and me? Oh no. Is it because is it because you'd be seen first? No. No, it or is it the way you're going to get better food or something like that, Peter?
4: No, I wouldn't. I would certainly hope not. You know, I would certainly... And if you want, if you have private insurance, then there should be a private system. But having private beds inside in the middle of public wards... Oh, John, it's the oldest problem in the book, and it's there since Methuselah, do you know? Yes,
12: but okay... We had uh, the Minister Donnelly, he's supposed to be meeting now the THSC today, or was it just... Was it yeah, I don't think he's
4: meeting him today. You'd think he should be meeting but him every day, wouldn't you? Go on.
12: He, he should be meeting him every five minutes.
4: Yeah.
12: Not every day, every five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll be the same old story again, PJ. Ba-ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba. He said to morning, it came out on, on your radio this morning, that the... That Minister, Minister Donnelly said there's an improvement.
4: Mm. Well, now, well, no, we, we, yesterday we were made very clear when I was talking to Dr. Lisa, she said, don't take that. That's, poli- that's political. Don't take political. that. Where exactly, are those people because, gone? Where are those people yeah. gone?
12: Yeah, yeah exactly, Peter. I, I heard it there a few minutes ago. And, you know, Lisa was saying, where are these people gone?
4: because they're not comfortable to the PJ, with their family.
12: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, we're in a desperate crisis altogether. But PJ, there's only one way out of it. There's only one way out of it. What's that, Jan? Get the staff. Yeah. Get the staff.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go to Australia, I, 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 and you go to Dubai, and you go to America, and you go to many other parts of the world, you'll find Irish doctors and Irish nurses. Should there is? There is PJ.
12: That's PJ? Why did they leave um,
4: PJ? I don't think we need to answer that. I think we know.
12: if exactly, if, if it exactly, was worth staying exactly, for it, they'd be
4: staying. We, exactly. Look, exactly. travelling is kind of part of being a young doctor or a young nurse. You oh, I, I
12: understand
4: what, yeah, I understand what you're saying, Peter. Yeah. But we have beautiful nurses coming in
12: from India and Mauritius and all that and we have lovely doctors Fantastic. coming
4: in. Brilliant. Yeah. But they
12: can't, they can't because there's not enough staff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. might the might listen, you're going to hospital because you're complaining. Mm-hmm. They can't put you up in the bed. They, they, they can put you anywhere whatsoever once they make you right. That's, yeah. How oh, they I talk? Oh, PJ, how did I talk? I A bit of an epidemic this morning because I That's got okay. up and I went back oh, to fine, bed. And, okay, and, okay. and and the thing is, PJ, you know me very well. You know me very, very well. Okay, fine. I, I, I done a bit of work there you know, a couple of years ago, there for 96, of them.
13: Ah, and right, then,
12: okay, drive on. Right, yeah. actually, the thing about it is, that, you know, and I go to repeat myself again, and streetwise, I know what's happening.
4: Yeah. It's a political stunt. That's all of it. Is. <laughs> well, well, definitely the improving numbers and we were brought, I think Dr. Lisa made that extremely clear to her. She said, actually, what, what might be worth doing, Fergal, if you've got an opportunity, you know, it's tearing busy out there, maybe to pull that little clip from Dr. Lisa that, yesterday when she said, don't listen to the spin on the numbers. That, that, might be, that might be worth worth having and hearing again, if, if we had an opportunity to do it. Yeah, us- well,
12: Peter, sorry, Peter, it could be very, very good to hear that again. And where are, where are the people gone to?
4: Yeah. Well, I asked Dr. Chris that and he was on with me last week and he said they're in Dubai, they're in Australia they're going, he as a young doctor travelled himself, you go for a bit of experience you go to see a bit of the medical world and then you come back the problem now is they're not coming back they're literally a graduating great, they're graduating and going to the airport
12: PJ, a great friend of
4: mine Dr. Chris Luke
9: yeah,
12: great guy a great, and I mean this now, a great
4: friend of mine all together and if we could find a factory to turn out Chris Luke's and more like him we would be in a much better place, John thank you, I've enjoyed our conversation, good man, the doctors are underworked, Doct- doctors and nurses overworked and underpaid it's what most overworked, the salaries ain't bad and you get to a certain level of doctoring and nursing, Then the salaries ain't bad but the overwork more than makes up for it thanks John O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety
2: six. The Cork Diary.
4: On Cork's 96
14: FM. The CSPCA will be holding a free volunteer information evening on Thursday the 19th of January at the CSPCA facilities on the Link Road, Mahon Point. If your New Year's resolution is to volunteer with a charity now is your chance. Join this information evening and learn all about the CSPCA, their mission, the animals in their care and how you can help them. The information evening begins at 7 o'clock and more details can be found on CSPCA.com or eventbrite.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The
2: Cork Diary with corksimon.ie, because everyone who calls Cork home should have one Cork's 96
4: I will come back to the subject of hospitals and beds and waiting and taxes and the black economy and everything raised by Michael and everything raised by John Come back to all of those because I think that's a conversation that's about to take off and we will get that uh, line from Dr Lisa from yesterday about the numbers and how not to be taken in by the spin of it and we've also had another few messages about it So that's coming back, so bear with me on that one, but first of all and I haven't seen this film yet and the reason I haven't seen it is I'm kind of afraid to watch it I'm reading one review that says it's brilliant, it's beautiful it's fantastically shot it's wonderfully acted it'll leave you in tears it'll leave you in an emotional mess it's beautiful, I hear all that stuff and then on the other hand I'm hearing that it's an exercise in whackery, and somewhere in between the two I know lies the truth, but one thing's for sure is The Banshees of Inshiran is set for a good run in awards season. It picked up three Golden Globes last night. Now the Golden Globes, if you know the movie industry, they're kind of the second-rate Oscars. The second-class Oscars. Crossy, I, I take it you've seen the film. Uh, where is it between Paddy Wackery Gone Mad and an art and a, and a work of art?
8: Morning. Good morning. Oh, a great night last night for the Irish. But, you know, I know what you're saying. I think you need it needs to be watched on a Sunday night or a Tuesday night. You know when your brain just wants to turn off, sit back, relax, have a cup of tea or a cup of whatever, and just watch the beautiful acting. The story is just, you know, it's not going to be mind-bending. They're not jumping off roofs. They're not exploding things. It's just beautifully shot and a beautiful, simple story about a couple of friends and and when you're looking at it, you're seeing familiar faces. Does that make sense? Like Brendan totally. Gleason, Colin, Barry Keown. Uh, it's just, it's really hard. Because if someone says to me in 10 years' time, what is it about? I'll say, I haven't a clue, but I remember watching it and loving it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, it's just, it's not, I think the people who are, are going in on it are the usuals that, you know, hate anything. that. Like, I, I've been watching a few comments uh, today. People going, oh, look, it's still Colin for all win things. It's kind of like an Irish begrudger, begrudgery thing. I kind of find Cotty, I completely yeah.
4: agree with you because I remember I, I, and the thing about Irish accents in Irish movies I think we forget sometimes because you know, we, we tend to be, oh so and so's Irish <laughs> we tend to pick up miss the fact that Hollywood can't actually deal with your accent <laughs> and mine so it has <laughs> invented an Irish accent the Yanks the, yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> I've been to America so have I how many times have you asked for
8: something and they don't know what you're saying yeah, and I think that the fact that they haven't gone bigarabi gosh in this, and it's done so well in America shows that it it has transformed itself from not being those type of movies. Oh, bigarabi gosh, we're jumping in here, we're jumping in there, like P.S. I love you or movies like that. It's beautiful. It's streaming on Disney now. So yeah, I must it, sit down and watch it. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. I would say watch it when your mind's not busy and you just want to relax. There's like, a scene just by, seen by Colin a lake Carrara with
4: Barry Keown, uh, which I've watched a few times. The scene where Barry Keohan and, I can't remember the other character, is standing by
8: a body of water. Oh, Kerry Condon, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And is it all like that? And right? that's what it's about. Right. It's all like that. And the fashion as well. You know, when you're fashion. looking at it, and then you're looking at the 7, west 19, of Ireland. It's the for God's sake, isn't it? I'm telling you. Those jumpers are in high demand. I know a girl who has a business in Donegal and she says, God be good to the Banshees of Inishirin because she is shipping them out. Right. Let's, listen so. to, let's listen
4: to Colin Farrell. I think I, he made a speech which will probably go down in awards night history. For all the right yes. reasons we've had some of, the, some of them go down for all the wrong reasons but I think this will go down in awards night history for all the right reasons this is Colin Farrell on being named best actor in a musical or comedy yeah
8: yeah okay, let's hear this
7: and the golden globe goes to Colin Farrell venture the finish
8: this is Colin Farrell's third nomination and second wing. He
2: wins
15: his Golden Globe tonight for his role of Paul Sullivan in The Banshees of
16: Inisherin. Martin McDonagh, I owe you so much, man. 14 years ago, you put me working with Brennan Gleeson, my dance partner, and you changed the trajectory of my life forever in ways that I begrudgingly will be grateful to you for the rest of my days. Um, <laughs> to work on this film I I never expect films to work or to find an audience and when they do it's shocking to me and so I'm so horrified by what's happened around Banshees over the last couple of months in a thrilling kind of way. Um, Brendan I just, I love you so much. Kerry, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, you can forget that piano. To finally see the world after 20 years of acting, find your work now, you're extraordinary. Barry, when you're sharing a house with an actor you're working with, a word of advice, Barry, don't eat his crunchy nut cornflakes and leave him with no breakfast in the morning. Okay, you should never send a man to work on an empty belly. I want to thank Sheila Flitton who played our band She. I want to thank the cast and the crew and the locals of Inishmore and Ackle Island that brought us in and there was lines blurred between all of us so that we were just one big family for the betterment of all of our souls on that experience. And uh, lastly, Jenny the donkey who is, yeah, yeah, Jenny. And she's having an early retirement because she's still in business, you're welcome to it. I'm one and done, so she's gone, and my kids at home were watching this James and Henry, the loves of my life. I love you so much, and thanks, uh, Hollywood Farm Press. Oh, Is his
4: happiness contagious, Gracie?
16: It's so good seeing him come so
8: far, and I love how he's kind of taken Barry under his wing as well. You know, it seemed like it was a bit of crack himself, and Brendan what last worked in Bruges fourteen years ago. Brilliant, and I um, know if you check out uh, if you check out your oh, it's so good if you check out your stations. Um, Instagram at the minute. We interviewed both of them, and they said they will not wait for another fourteen years to get back together oh. again. Did so, you, um, what
4: we said about the Irish accents, the introduction, the, yeah. the, the you think <laughs> that they would hand the voiceover artist at the Golden Globes the correct flipping pronunciation?
8: <laughs> oh, it's just you know what, and I think the like the Oscar nominations are going to be out on the twenty fourth of January. And then they're going to be, I think, the second week in March, I think they're on the Sunday night. So that will be interesting now to see, you know if we get nods and then what are the pronunciations like as well I
4: know let's, let's have a listen to Martin McDonald. he got it was the director's award wasn't it he got yeah
8: let's, let's... He, screenplay, and, uh, screen, screenplay and he also got yeah the best movie as well let's
3: listen Jesus um, uh, as some of you may know I wrote this script for uh, the two stars of my film uh, Jenny the donkey and Minnie the horse <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was hoping Jenny might have been nominated tonight actually but uh, she's a female donkey and it's a so, yeah. um, sorry, too soon um, uh, No, I wrote this film for Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson um, uh, uh, And their beautiful, nuanced performances Just uh, blew me out of the water, as usual um, I love you, as you know um, For your brilliance on screen and your kindness off screen Yeah,
8: there's a
4: lot of love in that room for each other, really, isn't there? <laughs>
8: And I'm hoping that carries over for the Oscars now. I'd say the party is still going over there. Yes. I'll give you one tip, all right? There is sure. one movie It's coming out in a couple of weeks' time. It's called The Fablemans. It won Best Movie for Drama last night. I'm hearing It is this. a movie on Steven Spielberg's life. I've seen it twice already. The first time I saw it, I was an emotional mess afterwards. I never cry. And I was in a horrid mood afterwards. It was so upsetting. And I have to go see it again. I haven't. Sorry, I went to go see it again there uh, last week, and I, I kind of got a bit more into it. It's basically a story on Steven Spielberg's life, how he got to be a director. It is remarkable.
9: Okay.
17: I
8: was going to say you couldn't write it, but they have wrote it. Um, it, his mom and his dad, um, they split up, and it's dealing with the fact that you know his mom and dad have broken up. And I don't know, I don't want to ruin what okay. happens with his mom and dad. But anyway, it yeah. is going to do really well the Oscars, I think.
4: All right. And do you think that? Colin uh, and Martin, and even, maybe even Barry might get a nod for a for a nomination in the Oscars. Do you think?
8: I really think it's going to be Colin and Barry's year. I think. I really think. I hope so. Even for Barry, I'd love to see it happen for Barry. He's a lovely fella. He's a he's wild, like absolutely I've never wild. met him. I've met Colin. I've, I've never met him. Met Colin, <laughs> Colin's, and Colin's Barry, is like. Man. It, Barry is like when you put a dog into a school and he doesn't know where to go and he's running around the place like Barry, just sit down and have a chat with me that's what Barry's
4: like Robin Crunchy Nutcorn Place as he goes Crossy, thanks very much, a great night for the Banshees of insurance haven't seen it yet, if you've seen it where is it in the rank of good movies, because it sounds beautiful but I'm half afraid to watch it but now that it's got a couple of golden globes I'm going to have to <laughs>
0: Live free in 23.
2: Listen and win. Oh my God! Yeah! A year to remember. <laughs> <laughs> relax, relax.
0: Spending money, We'll money. cut the cost of living for one loyal listener with
2: the ultimate Live Free grand prize. Win a holiday. Free fuel.
0: Supermarket shopping.
2: Computers and electrical. Concert tickets. Fashion and beauty. Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending money.
0: money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long.
2: For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Win, win. Live free in 23. With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Starts next Monday. Out of money. Woo!
0: Only on Corks 96FM.
2: The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp
0: 083 396
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
0: is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM.
4: Yeah. A lot going on this morning. We're very, very busy. Coming back to all of those health stories in the fullness and your comments on the black economy and what Michael was saying about people's taxes and some people not paying taxes when they should pay taxes. And maybe if more people paid more taxes, they should pay more taxes, then we'd have better services in hospitals. Back to all of that. Also, we did dig out that clip from yesterday of Dr. Lisa working on the front line Uh, About the numbers and and how not to believe the government when they tell you the numbers are easing. And how not to take it as gospel just because some politician says, oh yeah, we've, we've solved the problem now. We've had so many more discharges over the weekend. Come back to that, I promise you. Just uh, some sad news in the world of media. Uh, our own Paddy Palmer, I believe, being laid to rest at midday today. I'll, I'll give you more details. You can watch that online if you want to. His mass will be streamed. I know Paddy had many admirers and fans across the city and county. So I get those details. Uh, you can watch his mass online. It's after the show, I believe. But also, uh, I was sad to hear in the last couple of days of the passing of a man whose company. I always enjoyed when I found myself in it. I speak of Brian Looney, former editor of the Examiner. He was editor of the Examiner for quite a number of years, in fact, and he was a kind of a larger-than-life character. Brian was uh, Brian was fun. Brian was fun to be around. He was editor of the Examiner, or the Cork Examiner, it was then, from 1994 to 2001. He moved into, into politics briefly. And then went to the Dundalk Democrat and just stayed in journalism for, for most of his life. He started out working in construction, uh, but he passed away over the last few days here in Cork at the all too young age of 63 and uh, hadn't seen him in a lot of years. Uh, but I always liked him and always enjoyed his company. Uh, when I when I would when I would meet him, uh, Brian Looney, former editor of the Irish Exam, passed away at the age of sixty three. May he rest in peace. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I started yesterday morning by telling you that I really liked the song from Johnny Lydon, uh, Public Image Limited. He's one of six finalists now in RTE's search for a Eurovision entry from. 2023. They're doing the same as they did last year, where they brought all six of them together on the Late May Show. You'll remember that last year the selected song was a song by young Brooke Scullion, a Derry Girl. I thought it was a great song. She gave it a massive performance on the night when it came to the semi-final, but she didn't get out of the semi-final and disappointed for her. And I think a lot of Eurovision fans and supporters we're quite disappointed for Brooke we were looking to another set of finalists how the hell they're going to find someone that'll actually get us out of a blasted semi-final because the way we are with Ireland now that would be an achievement to get us out of a semi-final now did you know that Johnny Lydon's mammy was from Gary Vaux? and did you know that he used to come to Gary Vaux for his holidays as a small boy the Rottens of Gary Vaux, as it were <laughs> Here's the song that he and Public Image Limited or a click of the song that he and Public Image Limited are putting forward before us on the 3rd of February for the chance to be selected to represent Ireland at the Eurovision Song Contest. This is a song called Hawaii and it's a love song to his wife Nora. Nora has Alzheimer's and is obviously deteriorating with Alzheimer, and Hawaii has written about a time in their life It's a sweet and precious and beautiful memory to them both. And he's asking the question, do you remember it? Because I do. It was a friend of mine in Newry, believe it or not, who put that video up the other day. Brona in Newry put that up and I listened. That is achingly beautiful. Colonel Creedon, I've never have had you for a Eurovision fan.
11: Morning. Well, I tell you the truth. I really am. And And lots of fronts. Um... I, I suppose for me, um, I, I'm pure audience, you know, I, I'm not a hack, a searcher, I, I really don't really care who wins, I just love the whole thing of it, yeah. and, you know, it's it sort of, uh, I, I, you know, your vision, the way it came about was after World War Two. obviously, you know, European Broadcasting Commission, their union, they were trying to get the countries talking together, right, and from that then came this idea, let's have a festival, you know, and I, I just think that, uh, considering where Europe had been through, that the whole thing is every year, all these countries, they had war like twice within 40 years, right, uh, pitched it against other, And because of that, I think Eurovision is really special, and it takes time to stand back. Like, what's happening this year, it'll take me about four years to process the importance of it. And, like, if you look at Eurovision, right, it's... Um, like, for example, like, you know, like this thing, the Carnation Revolution, you know, where, where Portugal, they, you know, they, they overthrew their junta on the Eurovision song back in 1974. Right? God, was, have I got you a like,
4: long memory.
11: Well, well it's just, I'm, I, I suppose I'm a bit of a hack with really, you, right? But <laughs> even so, like two years before that, Portugal actually uh, boycotted Eurovision because the year before Ireland won it, before Dana won it, there were nine winners, or there were four winners. There, there, there was That's a right. The
4: famous four-way tie, they couldn't and then, separate. And of
11: course, Europe couldn't agree <laughs> who was winning, and all this. So, like, I, I just find it's brilliant because it, it's, I, I call it sort of a barometer on the yeah. zeitgeist of yeah. what's happening.
4: No, I, and as, as, and as a cultural as a cultural analyst, what do you make of this song? Because I'm starting from the point where I think it's beautiful.
11: Well, absolutely. I, 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 first of all, from a Eurovision point of view, what's brilliant about it is that it'll bring a whole new demographic and a whole new age profile into it, yeah. into watching it. And that's what's great about Eurovision. It keeps evolving every year. You keep thinking, oh, sure, you know, when the Berlin Wall came down, we said, oh, so it's all Eastern European Now, But next thing, England won last year, and the whole thing has shifted again. And yeah. I, I love that sort of... Um, Well, Ukraine
4: was Ukraine who won it last year, but they can't stage it because of the war. So it's back in Britain, yeah, yeah. But they were second. Britain were second last year,
11: yeah. And that in itself, that that in itself, the fact that Ukraine was, it it was almost a given that Ukraine was going to win. I think it was, yeah. I I think everybody felt emotionally that England had won, and uh, you know, there's something very positive about it. But uh, with this song, the thing is. I, I suppose I did, I was a product of the punk thing, uh, that, yeah. that was my thing, right? And I remember when uh, John Lydon first appeared at P.A.L., I couldn't make head nor tail of it. Uh, <laughs> the first song they had was uh, Public Image Limited. i was saying, what the hell? And I sort of felt they'd sold out. But then, of course, it takes time to I'm slow learning, right? And like P.A.L., uh, like the Cowboy song, um... Rise. Song PL, this is not
4: a love song.
11: Yeah, Fabulous great. songs Mad great. stuff But fabulous songs Way ahead of their time they're, they're almost pre-rave You know They're pre-techno In a way You know And uh, so, But I think that There's a great Sort of irony In the fact that This is the whole love song Was a big hit Way back then yeah. And now This is a love song That he's uh, presenting Plus also John Lydon there's nothing ironic about John Lydon. Like his music is very deep and very real. Uh, if you if you read the words of this is not a love song, you that's can right. see what it's about. You can. It's, it's about McLaren and uh, the selling out and stuff of of I suppose a culture, right? That's right, uh, that's right? Same with even the Sex Pistols tracks like Bodies and all them bodies, about uh, abortion and you know the yeah yeah and, yeah
4: punk, punk, punk was in a, a, an era that was very very noisy but if you sat down and listened to it there was some fine songwriting going on do you know
11: Do and a lot of it too would have been your old three car tricksters right that's but right. John Lydon could never be one of those right and that's what I think is special about this song mm. and about him actually there's huge integrity there do, do you think um, he'll get
4: out of the do you think he'll get out of the, the Late Late Show and, and get to represent us
11: you know, I'd love we did, but I, I'd be very slow to sort of suggest anything because, I, as I say, I'm an audience person, right? I, I, know. I, I just don't see as it unfolds, right? Or, like I wouldn't be sort of my money. Of my money
4: would be on sort of, Wild Youth. My heart would be with Johnny. That's where uh, I, I look think, at it. I've I heard all the songs in.
11: He's changed. Uh, the, he, he he was certainly changed Eurovision in, in a good way. I think he would draw people into it. You know, yeah. and um, I'm looking forward to it already. And. Here we are, January. I think May is your vision. I mean, what a great start! May
4: fourteenth
11: or something like that. Yeah, May fourteenth to fifteenth. Yeah. Plus, I I was watching BBC News yesterday morning, and they were talking about RTE um, Late Late Show, and I was saying, "My God, they could have something on like like this. Must be really uh, interesting for them because um, they don't talk about RTE Late Late Show or what's happened here too often, right? And I just thought, My God." First thing Monday morning, they're telling us about the, John Lydon.
4: They're fascinated uh, about uh, John John Lydon you know, and, and, well, uh, and the I would,
11: he, one thing I would say I wouldn't be really sort of promote him the song for for Europe, that's that's up to the way things fall. But maybe he should go for um, Freedom of the City. That'd be nice. Like. <laughs> well, well, his his,
4: <laughs> his mummy was from Cork.
11: That's right, I, uh, I
4: came across that yeah. fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he, his, his mom was from Cork. I think his dad was from either Limerick or Galway. So he's, he's as Irish as yourself myself. Conal, thank you. Um, and enjoy it. I didn't know. That's the last person I'd have taken for being a Eurovision fan. Now, Frank Dermody is president of the Ireland Eurovision fan club uh, from Cork, Der- Frank. What do you make of this? As I say, I'm qualifying everything by saying I love
3: it. Morning. Good morning. How are you getting on? Good. So, um, the song itself is interesting. All right, it's a beautiful tribute to his wife. Um, an unusual choice to pick for Ireland, um, given his history. Um, I'll, to be honest with you, I say like a lot of us were surprised when John Lydon and um, Public Image Limited were selected, but in a good way. Yeah. Because every now and then you do need to, I think I said it to you before, you do need to shake things up every now and then. You can't have the same style, you can't have the same artist centering all the time. Well, well there's the thing. So,
4: Over the years, you, you, we've, you've had to learn to make headlines. And I'm thinking back to Italy and, and Manskin. They made headlines. Yeah. From the minute they selected that song, Manskin made headlines. And by the time it got to Eurovision time, my pal Dermot Manning, uh, and he said, lads, you all missed the bus here. Dermot Manning was saying four or five weeks before Eurovision that Italy were going to win it because yeah, of the sheer was- headline and impact of the tune. And I wonder, is there an impact uh, effect here to, to Johnny Lydon or the Rottens of Gary Vaux getting to represent <laughs> Possibly getting to represent into Europe.
3: What do you think? Possibly, but there was something about Maniskin that it was sort of the zeitgeist with the youth at the time. Yeah, that made people just go absolutely crazy for them. It was sort of that one-in-a-lifetime band that come along. Yeah. That people just (laughs) fell in love with. And I think maybe it's probably past Public Image Limited's time. If that makes sense to, to be in the zeitgeist. Perhaps it is, Frank, but but here's the
4: thing. And I was listening to it, I've listened to it now four or five times. And, and when you break that, typical of John Lydon, as Conal Creighton was saying, yeah. his songwriting, when you break it down, it's it's achingly beautiful. And I'm thinking to myself, one thing that it Eurovision fans do is they read the lyric, or they should at least. And there are so many families across Europe and across the 40-odd countries of the EBU so many families affected by Alzheimer and dementia in yep. general, it will strike a chord. And you have to do that too, don't you?
3: You absolutely do. You have to be able to resonate with the audience. You know, you have, and to I, have some, and some it, message that they connect with. Bring it back to the young people,
4: okay? And I'm going to make another bit of a extension <laughs> here. So bring it back to the young people who will pile into the arena on the night, because it is nearly all young people. John Lydon is sixty-six. Many of those people would have parents in their sixties, grandparents maybe in their sixties, and some of them might look at Johnny and think, if he's there, and think, well, there's someone who reminds me of my granddad, and my granddad has Alzheimer's, or my nana has Alzheimer's, or my dad. You could there could
3: be onto something here, you know, emotionally. Absolutely, but we have to see how he performs live on the Late Late is what I always say. It it's definitely. a beautiful song. Well, we know he's an established performer, so there's no fear of that because whenever you see a new band come out, you're going, ooh, you always have a, you're always a little bit wary of what they're like live, yeah. but and at least we know that he can perform.
4: And what kind of a stage spectacle as well because it's gone kind of very visual.
3: Absolutely, but bear in mind, like France came very close second to Maniskin with a very sort of dark song that was very focused on the singer, which was a ballad. Just
4: girls there on see, her own.
3: I remember it, yeah. Exactly, yeah.
4: Yes.
0: Now, you
3: have to bear in mind that she's also won, she's also wrote two songs that have won the Junior Eurovision in recent years as well. So, she has that background in her. Yeah. But the staging is key, but it doesn't have to be big flash bangs all over the place. No. Let's
4: and let let's, let's see what, what they come up with on the, on the Late Late Show, the 3rd of February. I think, I mean, with me, it's an emotional argument here between, I've heard the other songs and with all due respect to them I don't think much of them, I think it's between my my head is saying Wild Youth, my heart is saying Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten. Frank thank you very much, we'll see where it goes on the 3rd of February. Frank Dermody, President of the Ireland Eurovision Fan Club. Now, if there is a more authoritative voice on music and the various genres of music and history of music it's Well, you won't go far beyond Jim O'Mahony, uh, Jim X Comet. Jim. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. I'm blown away by it. What what Um, What do you make of it, though?
11: Well, I heard this,
17: I think I heard this about two, two days ago and I actually thought it was an April Fool or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I think about it, it's um, if you, like, I would have a lot of respect for John Lydon. I, I would be, I'm probably a big fan for years. I'm a huge fan of public image anyway. It's something, A, it, it, it's, it, it's a very John Lydon thing to do, to go into the Eurovision. I think he's mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if... if he never does what people expect him to do. But I, I do think that um, there's a bigger message here. I think the huge, huge, huge messages: Alzheimer's and awareness of Alzheimer's. Um, I've had two people very close to me over the last 10 years who had Alzheimer's and sadly succumbed to it because there's no happy ending. Yes. And, you know, I, I think if the song which is a beautiful song. If the song focuses on that and gives some awareness in that, then it's a brilliant thing. Now, on the other hand, um, I think that's the idea that he's going to, that first of all, he might not necessarily make it into the Eurovision because I do not think that, for a minute, RTE wants to be faced with the prospect of having to stage it next year. You know, yeah. so I mean...
4: Well, to, Jim, to be honest, Jim, that's an old argument and I've always, always railed up against it. It's a mm. massive money spender for the host nation.
17: Awesome. I suppose, yeah, I, I, I suppose it is. It, it is, but uh, the thing is, what I think about the Eurovision, I, I, I think I, I think we have this vision of the Euro... Sorry, this this idea of the Eurovision and, say, the late, late show here, we kind of look at them as institutions that we grew up with. But yeah. they're much. they're very 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 different now um, yeah. i'm not entirely sure that um he would say if he did make the eurovision that he'd go in he'd go on stage at Liverpool, and every single person in the audience will suddenly say, "Oh my God, this is amazing, this is brilliant you 're looking at a very very flippant shallow type of type of competition which is what it's got which yeah. is what it 's really turned into yeah, no yeah. No, look. There, there are things that might go. It, it probably helps that that it's in Liverpool. You know, it it helps that that it's that it's in the UK, and you you know he might get a bit of a home crowd thing. But I don't really see the Eurovision as being a competition that has a social conscience, if that makes sense. So uh, I think the idea that he go in and sweep the board and and, and, and you, win would it you,
4: would you not? Do, do, do you remember? You may you may or may not. Can she divorced? The, the the bearded lady who won. I do Now that I, I, was that was over before it began because of the sheer idea of a woman with a beard.
17: It was. And if you look at last year, if you look at you, Ukraine won it last year, and that was that was a bit of a yeah. social conscience it vote was. as well and it was That was over before it not, started,
4: yeah.
17: I'm not sure that's gonna happen twice in a row, you know? Right. No, the only thing is the song is brilliant, but the song might be actually too good for Eurovision because I mean, like no, I'm very very out of touch with the, with Eurovision. The last time I actually sat down and watched the Eurovision, I think Neve Cavan won it. Oh
4: God, okay, you're a few, you're a few years behind the time, so, so, so Jim.
17: <laughs> so, it, 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 and she won it with a, with a brilliant song that um, apparently that the songwriters didn't want to put into the Eurovision either. kept, it, kept it.
4: it in a drawer. Jimmy kept that song in a drawer for a number of years until he persuaded Eve to sing it. That's true.
17: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I think a lot of people didn't want that song on the Eurovision either. But, but it, it won, so look, look, this this could happen. Now, I mean, it's probably like if you look in, if you look back at the history of the Eurovision and all the people who've stolen the Eurovision, this is probably the biggest and most bizarre story ever because nobody, it's nobody true. of this stature and with this reputation has ever gone into no. the song it's contest. It's
4: like selecting Bono, really. When you think
17: about it. <laughs> it is, but, but but it's even more bizarre at, at selecting Bonner because if somebody had said to you in nineteen, say seventy nine and nineteen eighty, that the um, the guy singing in the Sex Pistols is going to be in the national song contest for Ireland, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> Ireland, you would have laughed.
4: But did you know at the time, Jim, that the fella singing in the Sex Pistols um, about all sorts of things that we can't mention on daytime radio now? Yes. Did you know he used to go on holidays in Gary Vaux?
17: He was... Um, I, I didn't know at the time, but I, I i read his book. His book is brilliant. His book, um, I think, No Blacks, No Dogs, No Irish. Yeah. But his book is amazing. Like He talks about um, gr- growing up... W- w- in, in an Irish community in London. And what's one of the really funny stories is that he was saying that he lived in a street with his aunt... Sorry, with his mother and father, but he had aunts and uncles living in the street, and most people living in the street were Irish. So he grew up drinking tea, and he said his mother... His mother had this habit of making really weak tea all the time. You
4: can't imagine him growing up on weak tea, can you? No.
17: And that's what he thinks even when he was in the sex Pistols. <laughs> his drink of choice was a cup of tea. But it's one of, you know, these awful cups of tea that you dump the tea bag into yeah. for about two seconds. Yeah. 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 That's his thing. You can kind of show yeah. it the tea and bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You know, I, I always think I always think of him like that. And, you know, I mean, no he he hasn't like the guy hasn't forgotten his Irish roots, you know, and obviously his parents are Irish. But he he will admit that as he's you know he's born in Britain, so he's British. You know, he's not kind of mm. he's not he's not like he's not pretending to be Irish. Like no, but like,
4: we could claim him. We can claim him through the through the, through the through the mammy rule.
17: Oh, we absolutely could, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's what we're doing, Jim. You know, listen, and,
4: before I let you go, um, and I know that you are back doing a little bit of this. I haven't had a chance I, I mean, to listen to it yet. Where are you playing records? these days. Oh, and, uh, and playing records is what you do. Where are you playing doing?
17: records? Playing records at the moment. I'm doing I, I'm doing something in Barry's and Douglasville once a month but I'm starting a residency in the pavilion on the last Friday of every month. Right. Jim, starting on the 27th I,
4: I January. I hope to see playing you I, as I said, if there's anyone out in the DJing section no. or, or the, the DJ sector with a wider and a more knowledge, knowledgeable taste in music, I've yet to meet them. Jim O'Mahony, Jim X Comet. Catch him if you see a this guy playing records you will enjoy Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Um Kate says I think it takes the Eurovision into a new direction it's so relaxing whereas you associate the contest with a kind of poppy brash type of music I think it might catch on, I'd love to go to Eurovision, I'd say the parties are mental they are Kate, it's a few years since I was at one, the last one I was at was in was it Birmingham? could have been Birmingham um yeah, it was. I think the last time I was out at, at Birmingham, where Israel won that night, Dana International. There was another one that caught the attention of everybody before the thing was even started.
2: Join the conversation.
0: Text or WhatsApp 83 This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96
4: FM. OK, come back to a few things in the health sphere uh, for a couple of minutes. Before I do that Paddy, uh, our beloved Paddy Palmer will be laid to rest today uh, he's leaving his home in Inishannon around now and he will be brought to St Mary's Church they will go through Duggan's Cross Barna and the village of Inishannon. and then there's Requiem Mass for our Pawdy at 12 noon and that will be live streamed on corklivestream.com forward slash funerals. You can watch that Mass, and then his burial will take place in the adjoining cemetery after Mass at midday. But our party starting his final journey just about now from his home in innishannon, And we're thinking of him and his family, his relatives and friends. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, yesterday... I was talking to Dr. Lisa Guthrie about the situation on the front line in emergency departments up and down the country. She was telling me that on the previous day she'd done a 14-hour shift in her scrubs and her sneakers, and she really was torn trying to get to people, trying to assist people, trying to do things for people, trying to triage people. And she went through a typical day on the floors, and she told me at one point, for example, about how they literally ran out of trolleys. They just ran clean out of trolleys to put anybody on coming in off an ambulance. And if you're on an ambulance, you kind of can't be given a plastic chair. You shouldn't be given a plastic chair anyway, but you kind of can't be given a plastic chair if you're in off an ambulance. You should be getting at least a trolley, if not a comfortable bed. But I put it to, to Dr. Lisa at one point that we were being told that the numbers are down the last couple of days and the Things seem to have eased slightly in the last couple of days because of extra shifts being worked at the weekend and extra discharges and I suggested to her that maybe over the last couple of days things had begun to become a little bit more slick and she, she took me up on that
2: To take that point of like things worked more slicker um, is that if that's got to do with the media reporting of 44% more discharges that happened over the weekend, the figures on that is actually there were 400 discharges on Saturday compared Mm -hmm. to the week previously, which was New Year's Eve, by the way, of 287 discharges in the country. Sure. That's our 278 actually. It was 122 more discharges over a weekend. To where? To discharge facilities that possibly aren't coping that well anyways we don't have the bed capacity for step downs etc or there may be patients that have been discharged in an untimely manner due to the pressures of the politicians and the government saying we need to discharge more patients so i would actually look on if they're saying that it was more slick over the weekend actually how slick was it
4: there you go how slick was it and again that's a far more knowledgeable voice than mine and I would suggest a far more knowledgeable voice than any politician that is a voice from the front line. You can find that interview, by the way, on our podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. We did do a podcast extra on that yesterday. Dr. Lisa talking about the, the system and, and how and why it is jammed and speaking to us from a doctor's point of view. You'll find that wherever you get your, your opinion line podcasts. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now then on, was it Thursday or Friday? Thursday, I think, I was talking to Louise, and Louise was very concerned about a family friend, a family friend who has severe mental health issues. This family friend has schizophrenia, and it has, it's it's a nightmare situation, if you know, you know. She described it to me on the air and that podcast, I believe, is also available wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen to that. But just to remind us of what she was saying, here's a clip of that. And then we got a statement from the HSE in response to what uh, Louise was telling us.
1: There's two people there. One person saying you look great, saying the other person saying you look terrible. You know, it's constantly a battle. And like on one hand, she'd been told by herself... Take your medication; it'll help you. And the other voice saying, "You don't need them at all. Look how they make you. They make you tired. They make you drowsy You can't do this. Yeah. You can't do that." Like it's it, a constant it's a demon within you. herself. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what it is. Yeah. And like her life is no walk in the park. It is hard work for her.
4: Mm. So without it, like, where is she now, Louise? Where is she at? at She's
1: with street? her father now. She's with her father, and that is not an easy task for him either. Mm.
4: Yeah, do they have a good relationship?
1: You know, they do. They do. She has a supportive family, but they're all adults with small children. Yes, yes. And lives and jobs and husbands and wives.
4: Yes. You know? Yes, yes. It's it's so upsetting because like the, ju- the
1: July the July instance has really escalated what happened in July. Like she was in the COH, then obviously on a general ward for a while because she had had so many surgeries needing to be done, um, yes. and then since being released, which I think was September to the end of October. I think it was the end of October actually. Since then, now the behaviour has escalated. The episodes have you know they're increasing. She's definitely been in the COH A&E. So the protocol seems to be, bring, be brought to A&E and then be transferred over to the psychiatric unit.
4: Okay. So we got a response from Cork Kerry Community Healthcare um, on that interview, which, as I said, the full interview is available wherever you usually get your opinion line podcasts. You'll find it. It was quite a lengthy conversation myself and Louise had. So they, and, and the, you'll remember the central plank of it was, or if you don't, I'll tell you that Louise's friend was effectively begging to be put in somewhere where she could get treatment. And and Louise felt she's just not getting in there. There there isn't access there for her. The the HSE Core Carey Community Healthcare say all acute mental health units are inpatient units where someone in distress can receive short-term acute treatment. Admission to such a unit is based on assessment by clinical experts and only takes place when a psychiatrist deems that it's in the best interest of the person involved. We work to ensure that people stay in the acute unit is as short as possible so they can return to their homes and their lives as quickly as possible. Many people avail of support from mental health services without needing admission to an acute unit. There are a wide range of mental health supports available to people at home and in the community. and Where possible, it's our preference to treat and support people in the community. The support available includes our home-based treatment team and our enhanced community teams. The home-based treatment team is a key part of mental health service in Cork. Members of the home-based treatment team visit people in their own home. This is a seven-day-a-week service according to this statement where possible we work with a person's family and wider support network while also respecting a person's right to privacy and to confidentiality we cannot let a third party know about any part of a person's treatment unless the person has expressly given us consent to share that information every person using mental health services has the right to privacy and confidentiality statement concludes. As always, we'd like to remind everyone that in a mental health crisis you can access immediate support through your GP or through South Dock. Uh, round-the-clock psychiatric care is available at emergency departments. Out of ours, it's provided by on-call psychiatrists. That is a response sent to us uh, to that to that chat with Louise. Uh, 0818 96 96 96 Now, come back to just one Briefly, before I go to another tune, the tune we were playing earlier on was Hawaii by Johnny Rotten or Johnny Lydon and PIL, which possibly will be representing us at Eurovision. We're never going to win it again because of the way the voting is now. I just listened to We Are One and it's far superior to Hawaii. I appreciate the sentiment behind a Hawaii, behind Hawaii, but it's not a Eurovision song, says Moira. Well, Moira, on the 3rd of February, you'll have the opportunity to vote. I think it's between the two of them. The other three, or the other three or four I don't particularly rate very highly. But then again last year I didn't rate I didn't rate Brooks Gullion very highly as a winner of the contest, the national contest. I didn't. Then she went away and she performed out her out of her tiny mind at the contest, didn't get through the semi final, but there you go. But I think the third of February is between Johnny Dyden and and World Youth. Um We'll see though We'll see I do love the song though 0818 96, 96, 96
0: The Cork Diary On Cork's 96 FM
14: Cork Diary is a free service So if you're a community group A not-for-profit organisation Or you have a fundraising event You would like mentioned Let us know And we'll tell Cork all about it Email the details to Cork Diary at 96 FM.ie. The Cork Diary With Cork Simon.ie. Because
2: everyone who calls Cork Work home should have one
4: Cork's 96 FM Now yesterday talking about pubs and uh, chatting to uh, Porrick down at the welcome inn but being the last uh, early house in Cork but that conversation broadened out as these things do and Porrick was making the point about young people and pubs and that they're not going into pubs they're going to house parties instead and that went down the road of, well, should we welcome the young people into pubs a bit more to encourage them to drink in a safer, controlled, managed environment? And that then led to people contacting us about the situation where a young girl is one of a group of three or four. They're all of drinking age, Mary called. They're all of drinking age, three or four of them. But one, there's always one girl looks younger or maybe they just don't like the look on the door and they don't let her in so she's out in the cold so all her friends decide no well, we're not going in if Mary's not being let in so we're going to go off and have a house party and that's how it leads to too much drink being had at a house party and I was saying why would you single out one girl from a group uh, maybe she looks a little bit younger but if she's got ID then she's of drinking age let her in and that conversation went on for a little while. Alice, you wanted to make the point it's not just girls. Morning.
15: Hi, morning, PJ.
4: What happened to... Yeah. Uh, was it your son, it was?
15: It was, yeah. Now, it was a couple of years ago. He was, like, in his 20s. It was about 10-plus years ago. And there's a group of them, four boys and one girl. Yeah. Like, their friends going back to school. Yeah. But when they used to go out in the city, because we're from Cove, oh. and when they go out in the city there'd always be one that wouldn't drink, that would be the driver. Yeah. And, you know, they shared it around. Yeah. But this particular evening, now I don't know the city, so I couldn't tell you where, but they went, they were drinking, and they decided to go to a nightclub. Yeah. And off they went anyway, and from what I gather from him, the bouncers are at the door, and they leave you into this hall where you pay, and then you go in the next door into the venue. Mm-hmm. So they left four of them in, took their money, paid, they paid, they went to go in and their friend, that was the driver, put their hand on his shoulder and said, not tonight, bud. you have too much on board. Get away. Now, like, <laughs> he looked at him kind of dumbf- dumbfounded and he goes, sorry mate, he says, I am the driver. No, no, too much on, you have too much on board. Get but, away. Like, that wasn't the point of it. The four of them had paid already. Mm. So they decided, of course, like, one go, they all go. Mm. Uh, They decided, well, if he's not allowed in, we're not going in. So they asked for the money back and they wouldn't give him their money back. Agway! Yeah, now, at this stage, I hadn't even entered the venue.
4: They just paid?
15: They just paid and they were waiting for our buddy coming up the rear, like.
4: Uh, And the lad who was drinking coffee for the night was stopped uh, by he a was bouncer stopping, until you've had too much. Oh,
15: uh, you've had love. too much, lad. Not tonight.
4: Oh, for the love of God.
15: You know, and, like, so it's not just girls that happen to it, it's fellas yeah. as, as well. You <laughs> know, but I, I think sometimes the bouncers can be kind of a bit heavy-handed because there was no way on God's green earth they were getting that money back. And as a matter of fact, I'll tell you how long. Uh, my son got on tonight, 6 FM, the day after. He was on with Neil.
4: All right, okay. So tell you
15: how long that's a ago. long time ago. So, um That's nine years. They got on to the venue because they wouldn't give give them a refund. They wouldn't give give them their money back. Yeah. So like six of them got on, but to no avail. It was just tough, you know.
4: That's that's ridiculous, Alice. That, so I it mean doesn't
15: really, it doesn't only happen to girls.
4: No, and a fair point. And moreover, if 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 he was one of the five Who had had a couple of pints overboard? You might say, "All right, look, whatever."
15: Absolutely. But he's drinking coffee. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, like they were good young youngsters. Like they always had one driver that didn't, and they always took turns. Yeah, yeah. But they're good friends, so they always took turns. (laughs) Absolutely.
4: A taxi to Cove is a half a week' wages, like.
15: Absolutely. Well, it happened to myself in Dublin. Did it? Now and I'm I'm the best part. I'm the opposite side of the sixty, so it Is happened it? us about ten years ago in Dublin in a hotel.
4: Right.
15: And that went to no names, but like there was a nightclub attached. We were there with my sister and brother in law and my friends. Suppose so, we had a few jars. And we said, Oh, we try the nightclub <laughs> The oldest swingers in town, like <laughs> and a particular bouncer told me that we couldn't go in. Okay. And I said um, but we're staying in the hotel and the reception said that we can go through. Mm-hmm. So your man got very irate about not leaving us like, words were exchanged. And he told me in all certain terms to go back to where I effing came from.
4: Ah, here.
15: Absolutely. I asked him for his badge number. <laughs> you know they have the badges on their sleeves. They do, do but right now to I said, I have the badge number, like, cause I said, because I need for me to go back to where I effing came from. Yeah. Not only for my husband. <laughs> they might have been. It might have went a bit further, but that's yeah, insane. So what you insane. Know, you but, kind yeah.
4: of what kind of power trips are people on Absolutely.
15: at all? Absolutely. And like he was standing with his hands in his pockets, chewing his chewing gum, am like, you know, as much as they, you know, I own this. Oh god.
4: Yeah, but that's that some stuff. and the the worst part of your son being refused entry. That's bad enough when he's been drinking coffee all night and some idiot... Yeah, exactly. Idiot, some, <laughs> some idiot decides, oh, you've had too much to drink. Like, do you want too, mu- like too much too much coffee? Your man
15: put his hand on his shoulder and said, not to lad, You've too much on board.
4: But then when the four friends say, well, if you won't let him in, we're coming and they wouldn't give no money back. That's no. that's just wrong. That's no. just that's just plain wrong. Alice, thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. That's the thing that annoys that. Oh, that now, if anything gets my dander up, my dander gets up when I see that. I had an incident myself not too long ago in a relatively well-known establishment. I was out for a a few points with my friend, and we wouldn't be hellraisers now either. Of the two of us, we're a couple of lads who like a few points, like a bit of music, might end up going in to a late bar uh, if we thought the music would be good inside. That kind of thing. Do you know that? My my days of my days of wrecking joints are gone, long behind me. So are his. We're in this particular establishment, and the phone, my phone, rang. And, of course, you're inside in a place that music. You can't possibly, can you, take a call in there. So I came out to answer my phone. And I crossed the road from the premises. Took my call. I'm maybe, what, three or four minutes on the phone. Uh, I think it was the Queen Bee rang me for something. And it was unusual for it to me on a night out. So I I took the call in case there'd be anything wrong at home. You, you know yourself now. This is, not a, this is maybe six months ago. And I put, took my call, put my phone back in my pocket, fixed up the jacket as you do, because it was a cold night, and went to go back into the pub to finish my pint and continue my conversation with my pal. And this fella steps out in front of me, young fella. He goes, No, you've had too much. I said, Well, there's a pint inside belonged to me. I came out to take a phone call. No, you've too much on you. I said, I hear now, one second. Come on now. <laughs> I said, "This is ridiculous." I've been in the pub. I said for the last hour. I'm enjoying the band, and I'm having a point with my friend. And I took a phone call from my wife, and now I want to go back in and finish my point. And he looked at me as if he was sort of assessing me for brain surgery, and said, "All right, go on." So, like, what the hell, you know And he wasn't very nice about it either, you know. The minds
2: are live. Join the conversation. Call
0: 818 96
2: 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083-3969696. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This
0: is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Watch
4: 96FM. Yeah, just reminding you one more time if you want to watch. Uh, Potty Palmer's Funeral Mass you can at midday it'll be streamed online on that usual they have a funeral service for streaming funeral masses online. I, I'm kind of broken hearted myself that I can't get down to any element of uh, Potty's funeral. Obviously today I can't attend the Mass because I'm here uh, and last evening I, for home reasons and other reasons I couldn't go to the um, removal of the Repose and the queue. There's a picture on the front of the Echo this morning of the outside Gabriel and O'Donovan's funeral home in Bandon, and massive queue of people lining up in what wasn't a very nice evening to uh, to pay their respects to, to our beloved party. Uh, and, and and great to see it. And great to see it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six the number of the text to WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six and your email is opinion at ninety six fmie my little story about what happened to me last year and Angela's story about what happened to her son it's kicked off another couple of memories for people just listening today while I'm driving I was stopped at a nightclub door you don't say when but I was stopped and someone said I don't think that is it I don't I don't think this is your scene. You're a little bit too old is what I was told Now I'd be Raging If anyone said that to me But that is what it is Not my choice I said But the team I coach Have all just gone in So after a few minutes One of the team came out I told her what happened And she went and got all the team out Likewise there was no refund For the other 23 players Either That happened in a city centre nightclub Hi, just listening in. I work as a DJ. Just before the pandemic, I was DJing for three months in Nightclub Bar. For the first month, every weekend, the bouncer used to stop me at the door saying, not tonight. And he said, I'm the DJ. This happened every weekend. Maybe they were winding you up. I don't know. But anyway, it was all good after that. Uh, And uh, I continued to DJ. And then after I stopped... I went out for a buddy's birthday And the same bouncer that wouldn't leave me in Previously looked at me and said You're kidding me, you're back again You know you're never getting in here And the best part is PJ I barely even drink Oh listen to me, stop it Stop Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I got stopped outside a nightclub on my own stag night That's not today nor yesterday Now had I a few on me, of course I had Of course I flipping had the night of me stag I used to work at the same nightclub, though it was a nightclub I gi- I used to gig in. And the night of my stag, we we went for the few, of course, as you do. And I had even the even the DJ who was standing in for me that night, covering for me, saying let let them in, you know, it's PJ Stag night. And no, no, no. I know, I know. John, you're you're thinking of opening your own pub to try and solve all these problems. This was yesterday, when, when it was Emily. Emily was out on New Year's Eve in the afternoon and it started to pour rain and she ran into a pub in the city centre and she said she'd treat herself to a glass of wine and she'd get some hot chocolate for the kids and she was told sorry, over 23s in the middle of the day. John, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What a so story just, that
10: was. Yes, I'm just phoning in uh, to say that um, I heard the great news on your radio station yesterday with Minister McEntee and um, <clears throat> she's uh, wanting to pass this bill where you know we don't just have a few people owning all the pubs in Cork City yeah. and we open it up a bit so that it's a little bit more competitive yeah. that we get new players coming into the marketplace just, of the pubs. Just
4: to remind people, John, they're doing away with, her. they want to do away with a thing called extinguishment, which means that for you to open a pub, I have to give up my license.
10: Exactly, and if you aren't in the business and you don't know about the business, um, you don't know when that license is going to become available. In other words, there's a few people out there that do know the business, they've been in the business 30 years, so they know, okay, that license is coming up, I'll buy that one. So what Minister McEntee is doing now is what they already did 30 years ago in other countries around the world, you know? And And that is open it up, and leave people that want to run it, coming to the bar business or the nightclub business, um, coming to the business, and if they want to leave their nightclub open until six o'clock in the morning for their patrons, so be it. Other people, they want to go home, make money, go home, shop at too well, that's their business. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, but at the moment, what we've got is there is no competition. So what we've got is all of these bouncers, or should we call them doormen, on Friday nights, Saturday nights, and if you actually go around Cork City on a Saturday night...
4: Please don't mention any venues, John. I'm not, I'm not. But if you
10: go around Cork City on a Saturday night and you see all the doormen standing in front of the doors, and if you didn't know Cork City the way I do, that it's a very, very safe city... Uh, safer than most cities across the world, um, your chances of hey, anything bad happening is very very small. Uh, nothing has ever happened to me, and I've been living here 30 years. So that's how safe Cork City is. Um, but if you saw all the bouncers standing at all outside the pubs, going around Cork City, you'd actually think you're you're actually going around a very very dangerous city. You know what I'm saying? I do, I all, do. They, they, they look all very intimidating. They're normally around six foot. Um, they look like they've uh, come out of the gym. They're all dressed in black.
4: Yeah, well, um, the, the, that, the little guy who tried to ruin my night a few months ago, now, he didn't succeed. He eventually just gave up and rolled his eyes to heaven and let me back in because I was making a good case for myself. But, but like, and maybe he knew me, I don't know. But, yeah, or but,
10: maybe he's friend you. <laughs> you know,
4: but he was only a small little fella he wasn't a big sort of Jim Bunny at all but you're saying as well John that um, you meet people from all over the world whose weekends are being ruined by door staff in Cork
10: you know what the door staff of Cork give Cork City a very very bad name and uh, I've met people from Wales there was a bunch of women from Wales that came over here for a hen party and because it was too, and they had already paid the Silver Springs hotel. It was a package deal with the nightclub. Um, they they paid for the Silver Springs hotel. It, the the package included the hotel, entrance into a nightclub, and a couple of free drinks. When they got to the nightclub, they weren't allowed in because they were told there was too many of them. I had. Um, they went back to the hotel. Really, really. Furious, angry—you should have heard the language. They,
4: they couldn't believe yeah. it. That, yeah, the, they the, tri- the, the, the one tip I would give people, yes, John, at a time like that, is um, the minute you start throwing in colourful language, you're on a loser because they'll turn. It, it makes matters worse for you. Look, there's a few yeah. power trippers out there, but it's not. The, I wouldn't say it's them all. I mean, fam- no, we. Will, we I, I, I worked the clubs in myself but, long enough, John, yes. to know. And I know it's a few years ago now, I, I packed that in maybe the the late 90s, early nineties. but but I, I I do remember that for every idiot on a door, there was four or five decent skins who would actually say, ah, Eddie, will you cop on now? Let him in, he's all right. Do you know? But I, maybe those days are gone, I don't know.
10: No, they haven't. You see, the thing is that the doormen from three decades ago are still there teaching the new doormen the same old tricks, so what we 've got in Cork is we 've got the same cork nightclub and nightlife as what was in Cork three decades ago, so, that's we've so sooner,
9: that 's what we 've got so sooner
10: the sooner that Minister McIntyre opens it up to competition, um, the things will change because we get some international people in here as well, you know, like the Chinese billionaire that owns the photo Wildlife park. Uh, you I do, the, uh, yeah. They're,
4: they're, they're, well,
10: the Photo Island Hotel.
4: Photo Hotel, and, and the, the the King family, they own the Kingsley as well, yeah.
10: Exactly. Now you remember, not too long ago, a few years back, that guy, a billionaire, a man that had plenty of money. Don't sound nasty won- about him
4: now, please, John.
10: I'm not. I'm not saying. Don't say. I'm. I'm he wanted to open up the largest nightclub in Ireland. Down there, along the docks on Kennedy Key. Do you remember oh, that?
4: I do actually. Now that you mention it, yes. Do you remember that?
10: And what happened was the same old. The, the people that
4: have the businesses yank core they didn't let it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I, I remember. I remember the story. It's just so long ago now. The details are are, are gone over, are gone, gone out of my memory. But I, I do now that now that you, you mentioned it, John. you you're,
10: you're. Can you imagine a man with so much money? I know. And and a small crowd here in Cork managed to block it. So uh, yeah. the uh, so the sooner Minister McIntyre goes ahead with this, as soon as we get some competition in the marketplace in the yeah. night yeah. In, in the nightlife here in Cork, the uh, we, it will put an end to the doorman problem.
4: There's a bit to be we'll said. An and,
10: yeah. and soon I'll be starting to say to you at the door. Good evening, sir. Thank you for coming. I hope you really enjoy your night.
4: Well, do you know something, John?
10: That's what we want to hear in Cork City. We don't want to hear all of this. Not tonight, not this evening. There's too many of you. Sorry you've got a tattoo. We don't leave people with tattoos into our nightclub. We don't need this nonsense. This small-town mentality nonsense. Do so have, I've said it all now.
4: Do you have, John, and thank you for saying it. I'm taken no by your accent and trying to, play, to, to place it. Where are you from, mate?
10: Um, I'm, I'm from a place where they had a, a, a nightclub 40 years ago that was on three levels. It was called the Coliseum. It was almost the size of the Coliseum. And the dance floor was right on the bottom floor. And on all three levels, you had bars all around each level. That was called having fun, having entertainment, and nobody was actually monitoring to see if you're having your fourth or your fifth beer because you're out to enjoy yourself. Where, where and was that, John? And, and, and that's what nightlife should be about. It's yeah. not about people watching to see if you're having an extra beer uh, or, or whatever. You know, it's about being out and having some fun and hearing some music yeah, and seeing yeah. some where, where, uh, nice
4: people, uh, you know? Where, where is your accent from? Because I, I could listen to it all day. Is it South African, by chance? Um,
10: Some people say it's South African, some people think it's English, and some people tell me it's Scottish.
4: I know, there's no Scottish but in there. I, where I, are you from?
10: I, I, I think it's just international. So these laws that they want to bring in here already happened overseas 30 years ago, And I'm even thinking, I think if I got into the bar trade in a few years' time, and if I was friendly and polite to all my customers, and if I treated all my customers as king, and if I was so happy to have them come into my bar and welcome them in, I'm sure I'll do very, very good business. And, And that's not what's happening in Cork City. What's happening here... Sometimes you're going to a bar and it's as if they're doing you a favor by pouring you a drink. You should feel privileged. That's how you feel. So really, who needs it?
4: I, so, I, lo- I love your attitude. John, I absolutely love your attitude. really enjoyed that conversation. That's John. I suspect there's a South African element to his accent. But wow, that's a great call. That's a lovely call. And he's so right. To so Think about it. Like when you go on holidays, uh, I was in... Tenerife last year and the the Golden Mile. That's the big entertainment place in the middle of Playa de Las Americas. And there are dozens of pubs and bars. Dozens of them. And all outside they're standing up. We know come in here, we got a special here, we got music on there, we got some and like the place is thronged. But they're all there competing one another for your book. Uh, thank you, John. I like that. There's a big queue of traffic going into Inishannon from the Cork side, possibly for Paddy's funeral mass. Very possibly, I would suspect for Paddy's funeral mass or maybe even caused by the crowd already there for Paddy's funeral mass. But if you're headed for Inishannon and you're not in a hurry and you're not trying to go to Paddy's mass, then maybe give it a half an hour. As a DJ I was packing away one night and beneath the console in the nightclub the doormen were talking and didn't know I was there, and one of them said to the other, he'd nothing to do with it, but it threw him out anyway and gave his head a few smacks off the steps for good measure. Ah, here. The steps were concrete. I reported it to the owner. He was amazed. He said of the same doorman, butter wouldn't melt. PJ, the best doorman in Cork worked in Franciscan well. He looked after customers like family, seen him bringing people outside, giving them a seat when they were getting sick looked after them, all customers said he had great humour didn't see him last three weeks but he's badly missed yeah, there was a few there was a few legends, there was a few absolute legends uh, back in the day, I'm thinking in particularly of um, John Mack John Mack who used to be on the door of what's now the Oliver Plunkett but back in the day it was the the Black Bush and Norma Jean's nightclub, and it was Zoe's. And, and John knew everybody. He knew everybody. But John, and there was the, the great Don Murray uh, on Chandra's. Remember Don? There was all. There was a few great characters on Doors, and when they were in charge, well, first of all, they were in charge. They took no nonsense. Like if you drew a clout on Don Murray, you wouldn't draw a second one. Put it that way. Um. But they were fair. They were incredibly fair, too. Do you know? Tom says that security man you described was a beggar on horseback. I don't know what that expression means, Tom, but I imagine it's not very polite. (laughs) Cork's 96FM loves Irish music.
2: As part of Irish Music Month this March on independent radio across Ireland, we want you to take part in our local hero talent search.
4: If you're in a band or solo artist, you could be featured live on Cork's 96FM.
2: It's your chance to win an overall €10,000 prize fund. Get your record released and have your music played on 25 independent radio stations across Ireland.
0: For full details, see 96FM.ie.
2: Irish Music Month. This March, proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sand and Vision Fund on Cork's 96FM.
4: thought we were rid of this book, but she it only landed on the shelves yesterday. Uh, Prince Harry's book, Spare. I think it's driving people. Spare. Listening to it. He's back in the headlines yesterday um, and this morning. He has now accused the press of dangerous lies in the reporting of what he said in the book. He's been criticised for revealing that he killed 25 Taliban fighters while on duty in Afghanistan. He was on the late show on CBS in America and says it's been hurtful to see the reaction. He said it's been taken out of context. Now, anybody that I've listened to on any discussion on the radio over the last few days uh, with a military background of any kind is saying, sorry, Ari, you don't do that. You don't start writing stuff like your kill count into a book. You don't. Whatever the context, whatever the way you do, you don't. It's it's just something that you... you don't do. Because every kill count is someone's son or daughter. And and that's that's... They consider it military etiquette. Now, that aside, there's 400,000 copies sold worldwide already. I think he needs to sell about 1.5 million, they were saying, to justify the advance that he got from the publishers of 35 million yo-yos, or was it dollars, dollars he got? So he's kind of nearly one third of the way to doing that, which is that's some sales in 24 to 48 hours. Let's pop down to Patrick Street, to Eason's, to William Gagan, who's the manager down there.
18: Is it selling, William? Morning. Hi, PJ. It, it is actually it's selling quite well. We're down to our last few copies, believe it or not. How many did uh, you get in? Uh, we got about 100 copies. Okay. I think there's six or seven on the shelf. Wow. No, yes. Yesterday was a dreadful day and stuff. So, but it still brought people into the shop to, to purchase the book. Do you know,
4: right, right. I don't think it'll yeah. be coming in for a signing anytime soon. But people are certainly.
18: <laughs> I know. No, we You never know. Cork is an important place, like so. You know. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, have you had a chance to read it yourself? Or it I, I
18: haven't. It? I I've gone through it, and I obviously I've seen all the things like like you were talking about there in the media and stuff like that, and some of it is. Maybe he's right about some of the stuff, but he seems to be a little bit precious about what he says as well. And you, you have, if you're out there and you're putting yourself up like that, you, you know, you need to be able to take the criticism as well, I hmm. would say. So, now it's ghost um,
4: written. Is it well written? It is,
18: it is. Yeah, it is well written. There's, You know, obviously, they put a lot of time and effort into it and stuff like that, but... Um, you know, it, it's the hot book of the moment, right? Mm. And that, this happens every now and again with a with a book and it grabs the public's imagination and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, it tends to say, as you might get people in a shop, bookshop who never went to a bookshop before, but, you know, they're watching it on TV or they're reading about sure. it or whatever.
4: And and you say you're getting 100 and there's only, only single figures left. Would that be unusual, William? It, it definitely would.
18: Like, there's no other book in the shop that sold like that yesterday. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's definitely a very unusual
4: um, now, for would any... You, would, you, um, would there be a couple of times a year you might get a book like that, or is it, you know?
18: No, you, you'd be lucky to get one or two a year. Like, Christmas time is different. You know, that, that's our... Harvest as such so yeah, people yeah. buying presents and stuff, so that 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 you can't really judge like at that time, but for January, especially when it's a downtime for books they, it's very unusual uh, and it's great it's great for the oh, player, yeah. of course uh, you know. yeah
4: yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and the audiobook he's voiced himself, and I saw that yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the e books are flying, so he he'll make up his one point seven million or one point three million or something, whatever it is to get his advance. Sure, that that yeah. I mean, public
18: appearances and stuff like that. He's not doing it for nothing, do you know what He's I mean. It's all part of the the package. And I I would say there won't be a signing definitely anywhere. but
4: uh, <laughs> have thought so. No,
18: no, not with all the remarks he said. Anyway, definitely
4: Indeed. not. All right, William. Thank you very much. That's no the beautiful new shop down there. Where there was one. I, you talk about Christmas. I, I bought a book for a friend in there before Christmas, and I was really impressed. With the, with the new shop. It's, 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 it's
18: fantastic. It's lovely. Yeah, even from the outside in, it, it, it's amazing, like what they've done to the outside yeah. of the, the old Victoria yeah.
4: Hotel. The, oh, yeah, oh, and brilliant. the wind, the window display is just fabulous, too. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely new shop, Easton's, the new Easton's shop on Patrick Street, William Gagan, yeah. and nearly gone. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if John Breen can hear me down at Waterstones. I wonder how they're doing. Uh, and the Dubray people, they have a shop in town. Ta- I wonder how it's doing in other shops in town, because if it gone through a box of a hundred and there are only a few left in Easton's. Maybe it's doing the same in, in, in other shops. Thanks William 0818 96 96 96 Now Paul Byrne from Virgin Media uh, was down at Easton's uh, chatting to people who were in and out about the book about whether they were buying the book
8: You know some of the stuff that's possibly in the book but why are you so anxious to get your hands on it?
15: Uh, because it's a huge book. There's a hell of a lot of tittle tattle in it Everything you couldn't think of. So it's a good read.
12: I've no interest in it. No, the little truth. I wouldn't. This just wouldn't be my thing. I have in-laws who are very interested in them, yeah. They're
5: watching Netflix. I have looked at his interview on the telly and I was a bit impressed. So I'd have no interest in buying the book. Mm, yeah, there's
4: nearly hundreds of them gone at Easton's. Thank you. Thanks to Paul for that. Oh, uh, wait, Go to buy it. Uh, I might, I might throw it on the Kindle and read it over the weeks and months to come. I've had just about enough of the extracts now at this stage, but definitely this thing, anybody military that I've heard talking about it, Uh, about the story in it about the number of Taliban fighters that he killed, 25. Now, yes, that's the headline, and yes, the piece is about 400 words uh, where he talks about that and he's accusing the press now he's having another go off the press the press that he hates but the press that he's filling with if you hate them so much don't fill their mouths you know, for is what he'd be told up in Farronree but he's accusing them of dangerous lies well now we know for sure what's written because everybody can see it to read it but the one thing that people are saying with any kind of a military background and I'd love to talk to anybody who has a military background who has been away in zones like Afghanistan we've got Rangers and we've got our own soldiers who've done incredible duty around the world um, you don't you don't talk about those kind of things do you remember for years when people when we started to write more about the history of World War I and World War II and of the Irish that went to World War I and World War Two, that they came back And people used to talk about their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers and their uncles. They came back and they never talked about it. They never spoke a word about it. Part of that was because they were so traumatized by what they'd been through. But part of that was just simple military etiquette. You don't. And he has. Justin, morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Do you have a military background, mate? i do i
13: served uh 12 years in the u.s army two years in the coast guard seven years department of justice and then back to the army for iraq and afghanistan
4: thank you for your service before we go a step further you're welcome so what do you want to say about harry and the book
13: well, what i was saying to your the gentleman who answered the phone you Turn. know yeah. I, there there's a, a time and a place for those conversations and in the states you know, we had a big problem with post-traumatic stress disorder, especially guys who, you know, did those kind of things. Yeah. And and the way we set it up is, you know, the Veterans Health did all they could to help us readjust coming home and, and who saw that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you're right. We don't talk openly with it about our families. There's some things that I tell my family. I don't tell them the, the details of it. I don't tell them, um, you know, the the how of it. You know, I you know just things things happened. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and broad strokes, but the way Prince Harry talked about it was when I was in Iraq the first time in '06, I landed maybe three weeks before they executed Saddam Hussein. Okay. So I was there through the insurgency, and the way he talks about it, it does kind of discredit the guys who did a lot of that fighting on the ground, and not that he didn't do any fighting, but we had a value for human life. And the people that we were fighting did not. And we saw a lot of tr- like a lot of the younger soldiers, the 17, 18, 20-year-olds, would come back from a mission, go into the MWR, the welfare tent, where they play games and watch movies. And they play Call of Duty. And one of my soldiers made a comment about when we were out there and got into a firefight, hey, it's just like the video game. And I had to remind them, it's not like a video game. Yeah. And that, that kind of irritated me the way Harry spoke of it because you're just talking about them like they're chess pieces. And maybe that's an arrogant statement other than respect for who you're, mm. for the other person on the other end of that, that yeah. helicopter.
4: He is saying you know, that the newspaper headline, the media headlines about what he says have been taken out of context and that it's a nuanced piece of nearly 400 words. And, and, and that is a, such it may be. But, but anyone that I've spoken to, Justin, or read or, or heard discussing this, Who has a military background like a good self they say well you don't do this in public there are ways and means to talk over what you've done what you've been through you don't do this in public you certainly don't put into a book would you agree with that
13: you don't talk in the media especially about numbers of guys that you took out that's just you know that's just uh, you know getting uh, it's disrespectful one and it's trying to be braggadocious about how many guys you took down you know you you just you just don't do it because part of the problem with that is one somebody somewhere was there and didn't know the real truth of what happened, you know, mm-hmm. so you don't you don't talk publicly about it. You just say you saw combat, you saw you know for me any time that I've had to talk to the media I, I've seen horrible things in combat, and I've seen absolutely amazing things in combat, mm-hmm. you know on both sides, I've seen human kindness from the enemy. And I've seen human kindness from us towards the enemy. Yeah. So, you know what I mean. There's, there's not enough talk about that. You know, the mental health services they require when they come back, like the young, the young soldier who just you know passed away in Lebanon, right? Guys that see that kind of stuff. Yeah. There needs to be more, more setup. Harry should be talking more about the setup for how to help them yeah. with that trauma, like. In America we had groups called Vet Self and Vets and a bunch of veterans would get together in a a sort of group therapy thing and and it was closed and that was the only place you talked about what happened and what it's making you feel like at home and therefore you know hey you know I went home and I I flipped out on the kids because I started talking to them like they were privates and uh, because I was thinking about this thing from the war and my and then another buddy will be like, "Oh, you know, well that when that happened to me, this is how I handled it." And then it it, it kind of helps that conversation. Yeah. What he what yeah, he, he's doing just yeah. cuz he has the Invictus games, I don't really see him doing a lot of that out there. I
4: see. You know, and you know Justin, you you saw you saw combat as you say and and you don't go into yeah. detail and and nor would they ever ask no. you to, but but, but I, I imagine as a young man. I don't know what age you are now, but I, I imagine as a young man. What? I'm 46 How? now. You're 46 now. 17. It yeah. leaves you with an indelible mark on your mind and on your on, on your personality. Does it?
13: Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you this, PJ. One of the biggest reasons moving home to Ireland was, you know, aside from the states being a mess right now, there was nothing in the United States that wouldn't trigger those feelings in me every day. Even with our president, and the withdrawal of Afghanistan, the way he did it, it was a daily battle within myself. And I can tell you this, when I moved here and we moved to Skibbereen and bought a house, the first night in that house, and every, every night since then in the last six, seven months now, I've slept. I've not had to take any kind of medication to go to sleep. I haven't had any problems with the nightmares or the shame or the guilt. I still think about those things, but I'm so far removed from the things that remind me of it. That it gives me more time to process it.
4: Does that make sense? It it absolutely does. And and, and, and the beauty and the peace of of West Cork. And you know, just look at the sea, or look at whatever's around you. Yeah. And this, I, I imagine, Justin. And I look. I've only been to America a couple of times as a as a visitor. I have my, my closest friend lives in New Jersey for the last thirty odd years, and I have a, a friend actually a retired vet now settled in in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. But 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 um. It seems to be a place to get where very hard for if you have these noises in your mind, these noises from from what you've done as a serviceman, it's hard to get away from those noises.
13: Oh, in America, I could tell you, every neighbor on my street, the sound of their car from the moment they moved in to the moment, either they left or we left, I knew when they'd come home. Everything I was trained to do, there was no way to turn it off. And the U.S. government was very clear about that. There was no way to undo what you were trained to do and what you actually did with your training in combat so there was no way to turn that off and here you know i'd say i haven't had i really haven't had any issues with that i, I mean i we have some we have wonderful neighbors around us we live now in, in the townland just outside the city yeah. and you know i do know some of the cars but i don't pay attention to it i'm not getting up to run to the window to see if somebody's coming or what's going on or
4: any of that stuff? You're not the coiled spring that you were trained to be. It, exactly. Is that that a hard way to live? I mean, well, in, in it's obviously no, in combat, it's it, no way just, to live. I mean, to, no live like to live like a coiled spring in your own home must be very hard.
13: I can put it to you this way: I jumped onto the Reddit sub forums and and other ways because I I was two steps from going to Ukraine to fight just so I could feel normal again because. The only thing I knew while being, you know, living in the States after combat was that this isn't my home anymore. The only place that I felt normal was far away in combat. Amazing. You and mentioned- then I said, no, and me and my wife talked and she you know, she's an artist and she goes to the corporate makers association. She's part of that group. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's, you know, she wanted to move here. And I said, she goes, can we do that? And I said, yeah. And so we did it. And it's been just a, a huge healing process in and of itself.
4: Yeah, you, you and ma- I
13: was just talking. To, you mentioned guys, it
4: as home to West Cork. Are, do you have so, Irish roots?
13: Yeah, my my mother is you know from Cork City. My whole family is up in Ferry on the north side and, and Churchfield. away! Yeah, I didn't want to live in the city, and so we were looking outside the city, and we came to Skibbereen, and we we fell fell in love with this house and bought it. And then turns out my great uncle who's the same age as my mom, because my granddad came from a huge family of 16 brothers and sisters. Yeah. He told me this is where my great grandmother was from. And inadvertently, one of the neighbors I was talking to and their, their daughter turned out to be my cousin. So, you know, I have relations here now in Skib too. And we've completely meshed into this community down here and, and and I can tell you this, my wife doesn't miss anything in the States. My kids don't miss it. Mm. Uh, my daughter's with me now, and she just... We, I had to go up to the hospital for a chest X-ray for my lungs, just sure. normal routine. Sure, sure. And she said, God, this is so quick in and out. She goes, if we were in the Veterans Hospital in America, this would have taken eight hours.
15: We used to spend a whole day there. Like, it was Hi. horrible.
13: Hi, that's Hi. <laughs> <laughs>
15: Yeah,
13: we'd spend eight, ten hours in there just to get an X-ray. So, and then you're there... And that's what you deal with but back to the point like harry I, I don't think he should have mentioned it in the way he did because the way he did it it, it kind of takes away from his own humanity there yeah. they're not pieces on the board you know sure we justified i justified things that i did over there as well if it wasn't if I, if it wasn't him it was going to be one of my guys or me but at the end of the day, human life is still a human life, no matter what side
4: of the fight they're on. Yes. every, and every, it, every Everyone who dies is, is a son, a daughter, yep. a brother, a sister, maybe a mom, no maybe a what, dad. Yeah. No matter what their
13: belief structure is or the way they're living, sure, there's bad people and good people. But, you know, there is real evil in the world, and that should be stamped out. But the real evil isn't the everyday soldier, the bottom guy, you know being told what to do and where to go you know and that's that's where i feel harry's statement just kind of completely uh set all the veterans worldwide but any guys who served in coalition forces i think he just set them back and just made us all look like murderers by saying something like that okay
4: justin i thank you so much uh for for, for calling in that's uh, justin walter Uh, family From Farranree and Churchfield, now settled back in Bantry with uh, several years service, number of tours with the U.S. military, and now living in in West. Isn't it incredible the people who pick up the phone to a radio station when they're interested in a conversation? Thank you, Justin. Uh, Michelle said I could listen to that man all day. I think I could, too. I sure think I could, too, 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 could listen. John you worry about what Harry's been saying too for a different reason. Morning.
9: Yeah, morning, how are you, PJ? Um, I do indeed, because look, just like the IRA campaign, which I never supported in the mainland in England, right, it was innocent people out, children like in Warrington, people out for social drinking, in Guildford and Birmingham, right, who paid the ultimate price, who were butchered and blown up by bombs. And my fear is, Some people say he's for the target and zone back in every ride. There is that too, right? But I'm worried about not the rides, is the families that are out in Manchester and Liverpool and Brixton on a Saturday going around the shopping centres because I guarantee you this is not going to go unchallenged. There will be some guy or guys go absolutely berserk with machetes in the streets, suicide vests, whatever, car bomb. Something will happen. And unfortunately, it will be the family, the ordinary people, just like the ordinary people that were blown to bits by uh, the IRA in England. And it's mm-hmm. army people who hear this point. Little,
4: little Colin Parry is the name I think of, for example. Yep,
9: Jonathan Boyle and Tim Jonathan Parry. Bar- yes, two innocent yep. children. How many? Is there going to be another Jonathan Boyle and Tim Parry on the back of this with Harry and his big mouth? Because the royals possibly with all their protection won't suffer. What I'm worried about is the, the, the army family going about their business on a shopping centre on a Saturday.
4: John, thank you for that. Uh, 0818 96, 96, 96 And we would sincerely hope that nothing, excuse me, (coughs) nothing, like beg your pardon, nothing like that would happen to to anyone. Uh, Right, where are we going? PJ, how many of the people he killed were innocent, buyers of the, were innocent? Buyers of the book should look into the history of the family and learn what kind of people they are. Well, there are many, many ways to read into the history of the royal family and they're as many and varied as... (laughs) <laughs> members of the royal family themselves. with well, good point. The book station in Douglas had a table full of Harry's book by the front door yesterday. Didn't seem to be too much interest in it while I was there, says Jer, And John says, Are you sick in the head? Well, no. Last time I looked, I was fine, but thank you for asking. The Brits and the Yanks murdered thousands of people, invaded countries all over the world. As regards that book, the royal family... The best place for them is in the fire, says John. Okay. Thanks. Back to doormen. Uh, actually, no, I won't. I'll do this because I've been promising to do it. I'll come back to the doormen stuff tomorrow. Uh, I, I've been promising to do this, and I want to leave you with it. Or it's one of the things I'll leave you with today. So you might think about it and maybe come back to it. The old argument about who runs a government department. Who is actually running the government department? So is the minister in charge? Or are the civil servants in charge? And if I am the minister for whatever you have in yourself, do I walk into the department and say, "Okay, here's what I want to do. Here's what I am going to do. Or am I pulled aside and told, "Ah, sorry, no, minister, don't work that way. Michael sent us an email. Hi, PJ, I agree fully with your views and your comments on senior civil servants versus government ministers. Unfortunately, since the foundation of the state, government ministers have failed or refused to challenge senior civil servants. Let us remember, at that time, were originally British civil servants. Shortly before Christmas, we were informed the Ukrainian ambassador was requested to inform Ukrainians intending to seek protection in Ireland that limited services would be available as civil servants would be availing of holidays over the Christmas and New Year period. I do remember that, Michael, yeah. So regardless of the fact there's a war in Ukraine, bombing and shelling on a daily basis, Irish civil servants must take their Christmas holidays. Shortly after... Now, this is an interesting one, and I, I, I do have your point on this one, Michael. Shortly after taking up the post of Foreign Affairs Minister, Michael Michal Martin commented that staff of the Passport Office were doing excellent work. I don't remember. This despite the fact that radio shows and newspapers were bombarded last year by people complaining of the very poor service being provided to them by the Passport Office. So in the mind of ministers, the priority is keep the civil servants sweet. Perhaps maybe focus on the civil service from the media would be in order. That's a very good point, Michael. Michal was saying how wonderful the staff were. In the passport office and how much of a great job they were doing turning over tens and thousands of passports. We spent most of last year, in the summer months, people literally crying on the phone over not being able to get passports for themselves and passports for children. So it all got ridiculously slow. That's, that's, and, and also, as Dr. Lisa was telling us yesterday, uh, the Minister for Health patting himself on the back And other such people patting themselves on the back at the moment because they've managed to free up some space in the hospitals by discharging more people at the weekend. And as Lisa pointed out in her conversation with me yesterday, well, where were they discharged to? Don't believe what the government is telling you in terms of the numbers. So, who do you believe? thank you Michael for that oh wait I've loads of stuff on door security and uh, to come back to which we will for tomorrow and on the hospitals Michael talking to me earlier on about if you pay your taxes you should get more in the hospital well not along those lines you know yourself Ha ha! PJ says James can you imagine being turned up t- uh, turned upside down in a car and Michael coming in saying oh you'll have to show us your tax returns before you cut you out I know, I know, I know but we did, we did enjoy that chat with Michael And that's it Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, Produced and researched by Fergal Barry Thank you for joining the conversation We'll do it all again tomorrow, just after 9 We yeah! yeah! we'll Spending money, money
0: Live free in 23 We'll
2: cut the cost of living for one loyal listener
0: With the ultimate live free grand prize
2: On Cork's 96 FM Yay!
0: Win a holiday. Free fuel. Supermarket shopping. Computers and electrical. Concert tickets.
2: Fashion and beauty. Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending
0: money. money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long.
2: For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. 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 Live free in 23. With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Starts next Monday.
1: Out
0: Only on Corks 96FM.